Hey friends, uh, this episode was obviously recorded before Evangeline Lilly made a tirade on Instagram uh, being anti-vaccine. Obviously, we uh, don't agree. We think that her ideas are both harmful and, frankly, dumb. We had recorded this episode as well as another episode before she made these posts. I kind of saw it coming based on how she reacted to everything that was going on when it was starting in March of 2020, but this is just another level. Moving forward, we will be talking about Kate the exact same way that we would have if she hadn't done this, but we definitely don't agree with what the actor believes. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Don't you love when your faves disappoint you? (laughs) I don't. Later in the episode, Kate is, like, mm-hmm. washing herself in the, like, little basin that they Ew. made. And I'm like, is that not <laughs> drinking water? I know! Exactly! I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you're getting your sweaty neck sweat in the drinking water. <laughs> that is disgusting. That is what the ocean is there for. Yeah, You do exactly. your dishes in that little basin. You don't wash yourself. <laughs> what are you doing? Hello and welcome to our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, who's your favorite superhero? Since Charlie and Hurley talk about superheroes this episode, and poor Jin sits in the back and doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> Bless his soul. In this conversation, I would probably be Jin because I I think I've seen like a couple of superhero movies, but I don't like actively go to see them in the theaters or anything. So like I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff, the stuff that's like, hey, we're an action movie, but we're also funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll go see those ones. But my favorite superhero media is a musical called Holy Musical Batman from Team Star Kid. I don't know if you heard that, but that was my dog coughing. Oh, um, from from Team Star Kid who made. Uh, the uh, very Potter musicals and my favorite character in Holy Musical Batman is Superman. I don't know a whole lot about Superman in general, but I do know that he's my favorite character in the musical. I support you so much. I love Thank that. <laughs> oh my god, Robin, I'm so intimidated. This is my first time introducing myself like officially. <laughs> what you don't have to be intimidated because what's what's nice is that, you know, you don't you just don't think about all the people who are going to listen to it. You just think about how you're having a conversation with two friends. Okay, cool. That's true. That's true. And like one of them <laughs> shares my name, so that makes yeah. it yeah. It takes some of the pressure off. <laughs> All right, here we go. You got it. And my name is Casey Wall. I'm a 24-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and making astrological charts for fictional characters. You can follow me on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV or at LFCandleCo, where I make pop culture-inspired candles. And my favorite superhero, it's a tie between a lot of them because... <laughs> I just love so many, and I don't like picking favorites. However, if I had to pick a favorite, I would have to choose Captain Marvel for obvious gay reasons. Thank you. I I love that too. So my name is Casey as well. Oh my god. (laughs) I know. Uh, Casey with a K, though, which I guess is how we'll have to differentiate, and that's... This is yeah. true. This is true. Well, I was like, do I call you Casey and Cece, or what? <laughs> oh my god, please. It'll be easy when you guys are talking to each other. Please call no one Cece. <laughs> I... <laughs> 
I would sooner go by a different name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, my name is Casey. I'm 23 from Southern California. I just really love television. I'm always watching a new show or I'm rewatching an old show for the millionth time. You can follow me on Twitter at Illith Sternin, like Lilith Sternin from Cheers, but with an I, or on Instagram at NotPenny's Instagram. And for superhero, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know a lot of them that well. I mm-hmm. do, though. Um, I watch the fun ones, so maybe like Ant-Man. I, think I, I do like him. Just He's funny. That's like a fun wild card choice, I feel. Right. Who doesn't love Paul Rudd? There's, I mean, it's the Paul Rudd of it. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the Lost of it. So yeah. that one always kind of felt like a, a, a decent choice. That is beautiful. I like that. I love that answer. (laughs) So what is uh, like your relationship with the show? Where how did I know that you are uh, extremely well rounded in your love for the show? That's I it's just the best. It's just the best show. I've been rewatching it again recently. And I think that kind of like reignited like the insanity. Um, I was gonna say a little bit but like a lot. Like a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, ever since I like first watched it, it was just different and it's continued to just be so different and better than anything else that's come out since or before it. And um, I don't know, just the characters, the storytelling, it's so rich and it's so just brilliantly done. And there's always something to find when you go watch it again. So yeah, I love it. I love everything about it. And so that segues lovely, lovely into your uh, favorite character. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Juliet. That's number one. Iconic. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Forever and always. It'll always be Juliet. That is the correct opinion. Yes, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Juliet, Desmond, Sawyer are like the top three. And then like everyone else I love for the most part too. But those are definitely the... Um, the main one. Absolutely love that. <laughs> so I, if my memory is correct, I think Casey with a K, you chose this episode specifically. I, I think of what we had. It was like, are there Desmond ones? And you were like, yeah. Yes. I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, I'll then I'll, I want to talk about Desmond. Desmond episodes are always the best. They're so fun. He just has such a great... They're, I I can't think of a bad one. No. There's uh, always something a little different yeah. to them. Makes them better. There's only like a few episodes in general that I would call bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can yeah. usually find something to like about them anyway, you know? Yeah. That's the beauty of this show. I fully <laughs> agree with that. Like every time, like, cause I was rewatching with um, two friends who'd never seen it before and we watched like the whole thing together and I'd be like getting ready to watch an episode and I'd be like, oh, this one's not my favorite, but it, like watching it, you're still like, okay, but that was pretty good or that was funny. Like yeah, this is still better than 90% of television right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I would always, I mean, you always just have a good time with it, even if it's, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And even like with Stranger in a Strange Land, like, or, or any of the episodes where you're like, oh, I don't really like, you know, the island stuff. Usually you can find like, there's something to like about the flashbacks. Or if you're like, oh, the flashbacks suck in this one, there's usually something that's okay on the island, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. They're nice. also balanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Casey, it is your line. Casey with a C. Oh, shoot. I forgot that I have like <laughs> responsibilities now. Okay. Today, <laughs> I hate myself. All right. <clears throat> 
Today, we have words to say about episode 317 of Lost, Catch-22. So a Catch-22 refers to a self-contradicting no-win situation or a double bind. In Joseph Heller's novel, which we see in the episode, the only way to get out of a dangerous mission is to plead insanity, but pleading insanity in order to be exempt from a dangerous mission is considered proof of sanity. That is so so confusing, (laughs) but I get it. (laughs) I think I have notes later on like what actually happens in the novel to explain that a little bit better as well. Um, Yeah, we'll talk about the actual book like in Sawyer's book corner uh, back at the end of the episode. The broadcast date was April 18th, 2007. It was written by Jeff Pinkner and Brian K. Vaughn and directed by our friend Stephen Williams. Our boy. There is one fun fact that I grabbed that's about the episode in general off Lostpedia that said several other episodes this season, which are A Tale of Two Cities, Stranger in a Strange Land, and Through the Looking Glass, were named after classic pieces of literature, and this is the only one that's not Jack-centric. I love that. Why should Jack have all the content? So all th- all the other three. <laughs> yeah. So, what, Jack doesn't even know how to read? <laughs> that man can't even read. Yeah, so why does he get all the reading ones? No. <laughs> so we split this episode up into three storylines: the um, Sawyer and you know, basically the love triangle, the love square uh, storyline, and then the Desmond stuff on the island, and then the Desmond stuff in the flashback. So we're gonna start with the the love triangle uh, because it's the shortest. I love it. And so I did a summary of what happens in that storyline. I'm excited to hear. Thanks. <laughs> Sawyer shows up to Kate's tent to talk to her, but he barges in before she says it's okay and sees her in her undies. Oh, no. Kate tells him that Jack knows about their relationship and he asks if she wants to boink right now while everyone's just like around and she understandably (laughs) says no. That night, Kate is eating oatmeal in the kitchen and Jack shows up grabbing food as well. They make some frankly awkward small talk and then Jack steals her spoon and walks away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine if that's actually what the gist of the scene was? That's the selling um, point of the show. Everyone's yeah. like, yeah, the love triangle with the spoon. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's feeling good about that interaction, but then she sees that he was getting food for him and Juliet. Ooh. Kate gets upset about this, so she seduces Sawyer, who tries to ask her what's wrong, but is not one to say no, so we fade to black. The next day, Juliet and Jack are talking about their fathers when Sawyer shows up and asks if Jack would like to play ping pong with him. They play hilariously aggressively because of their egos, and Jack reveals that he had dinner with Juliet last night, which tells Sawyer exactly why Kate came to him. Sawyer goes to Kate and gives her the mixtape he made for her and tells her that if she's just using him to get out her frustrations about Jack, just be honest. Yikes! Called out. Oh my god. The content is just A+. plus. Yeah. <laughs> like, really, you know, I don't watch this show for the love drama, but it is a perk. I, I, I love relationship drama. I do. I, I love to say that I don't, but I do. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, no, it's so petty. Like, just be adults, be be grownups about it. No, I want to see two grown men fighting over girls and doing it over ping pong. Like that. It's also just like, it's also fun because, you know, these are full adults who are, you know, constantly witnessing horrors and tragedy on this island. And yet they still, everyone can revert back to their middle school selves of being like, oh, but does she like me? Instantly. (laughs) Instantly. It's so cute. It's like, it's just, I guess it's reassuring to know that like when humanity is on the brink of survival, we never lose our instincts of jealousy and pettiness. That's, that's really comforting to me, I guess. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
I don't ever want to lose my pettiness. Not ever. No. Yeah. I mean, to keep it alive on a deserted island, I, that's, it's incredible, honestly. It's a feat <laughs> and it's beautiful and I love it. Love it. So Sawyer shows up to Kate Tent, asks if she's home, calls her Freckles and she's like, you're not supposed to do nicknames. And he's like, well, you don't count because you weren't there when the vet was made. So then to be clear, she does not say come in. She sure doesn't. <laughs> but then he comes in anyway. She's changing. I I can't remember now that I'm uh, now that I'm thinking about it. If he apologizes when he comes in, I don't think he does. Does he? Uh, no, because he doesn't say anything. He just stares. Yeah, just stares. <laughs> I just I just feel bad because like this is this is reminding me of that scene in season two when Jack walked in on Kate fully getting out of the shower and she was like hi and he was like oh hey and I was like you know what you know what you do when you walk in on someone getting out of the shower who's like half naked you say oh my god I'm so sorry and then you leave <laughs> uh huh <laughs> and uh-huh. neither of us are doing that neither Jack nor Sawyer goes oh my god sorry for actually violating you goodbye now nope they they fully think they just stare at her. The best thing to do in this situation is to just stare and not say a word about it. <laughs> I, I know that this is not how it works in television and it would be really weird, but I feel like my sense of humor, as long as I wasn't like fully naked, is that if they started staring at me, I would then like drop every pretense of anything I was doing and just stare back. Right? Just have a staring contest. And just see what happens. Like, okay, you're going to make it that way? You're, yeah. okay, let's do this. Sure. That's amazing. Well, now it has to happen on a TV show just to see what happens if they really make it awkward. Yeah. Like fully fly undone, stomach <laughs> out the top of my jeans, just staring, mm-hmm. staring back. Is this attractive? Who's to say? Is this what you want? <laughs> maybe maybe that's what they came there for yeah so she doesn't yell at him she's just like hey so i'm accepting that you violated me i hope you feel bad what do you want and he's just like keeps staring at her boobs and she catches him i would be humiliated right where do these people get off just like doing things that are embarrassing and then not feeling embarrassed about it i have literally no idea yeah i i just and i know like it's (laughs) I don't even know how to say this, but just the way that Sawyer fully, like Sawyer, this big beefy guy who's all tough and he wanted to gather all the guns and, you know, prove he was, you know, top dog or whatever. The way he just loses everything when he sees Kate Mm -hmm. and just fully acts like a teenage boy with a crush. It's delightful to me. Yeah. So he's like, oh, have you told Jack about like our relationship? And she's like, no, but he found out about it. And he's like, oh, well, that's great because now we don't have to hide about it. Do you want to boink about it? And she was like, um, you only want to have sex with me because you saw my boobs. (laughs) That's not a good reason. Like in the middle of the day, come on. As if later is a good reason, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is not the time or place Sawyer yeah so he says afternoon delight which is a uh, reference to a Starland vocal band song with thinly veiled euphemistic lyrics about having sex in the afternoon so makes sense where that came from but you know just in case anyone didn't understand Sawyer clarifies for us <laughs> it means sex <laughs> yeah, I love that part and she's like I know <laughs> Just in case, what did she have? She she didn't even have like a confused look on her face where she's like, well, what does that mean? He's like, let me just clarify, stupid woman. <laughs> <laughs> let me make this awkward situation worse. Yeah. <laughs> so then he's like, oh, do you need me to make you a mixtape? And she's like, haha, sure. And so you're like, was just saying that as a joke. But now he's like, damn it. Now I got to figure out how to make a mixtape on this deserted island. And then he does. And then, and then he does. does. <laughs> oh, God. It- 
Uh, it's clear where my allegiances lie at this current moment. Yeah, I just, I, I love it. Thank you. I feel blessed. Imagine if that was like the actual, like she's like, this isn't a mixtape. Phil Collins decided what uh, what order all of these songs went on. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, no, no. Uh, all the songs that I chose for you just happen to be on this album in the right order. Yes, of course. It's just fate. He's just a massive Phil Collins fan. Yeah. He yeah. loves Phil Collins. <laughs> <sighs> So beautiful. <laughs> so later we have Kate eating oatmeal and she says that it's good. So I just wanted to say suck it, Charlie, for mansplaining oatmeal to Hurley last episode. Because Hurley did a great job. Oh my God. And I truly think that the writers were like, this is an F you to Charlie. <laughs> when I'm writing that the oatmeal is good after he told him that it was going to be too soggy. Oh my God. <laughs> So funny. So then we just have this like awkward small talk between Jack and Kate. Um, and they're like, oh, it's so weird to not have to be scared of something. And they're like, haha, something will show up and be scary. Haha. <laughs> she, she's like, okay, I'm gonna wash dishes in the ocean. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so awkward. It's strange, huh? What's that? Being back. Not Looking for a way out of a cage, not finding a reason to go running off into the jungle again. I almost don't know what to do with myself. Well, enjoy it. I'm sure something will go wrong soon enough. <laughs> well, my big dangerous adventure for tonight is going to be doing the dishes in the ocean. Be careful. I'll try. Um, can I borrow that spoon? Yeah. It's the way that the dishes never get washed, though. Right. Like, girl. And, like, is ocean water the best way to clean your dishes? I can't imagine it is. You have fresh water. Well, shout out a couple episodes ago. Um, I think it was uh, I th Hurley said that Steve. I was thinking, oh, is it Steve or Scott? But Scott is long dead. Oh, R.I.P. Steve brings water from like a river or something every single morning. He says that to try and get Sawyer to like be nice because and not be um exiled from the survivors. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like. I guess maybe Steve was like, hey, this is for drinking. This isn't for washing dirty dishes. Or Steve just takes morning shifts. Like, he's like, someone else can do it. Which yeah, that's I, true. I mean, to do that every day, that's intense. What a guy. Steve just likes exercise. Just a round of applause for Steve. I'm so, mm -hmm, so true. confused about their their water storage. Because like yeah. later in the episode, Kate is like mm -hmm. washing herself in the like little basin that they Ew. made. And I'm like, is that not <laughs> drinking water? I know, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you're getting your sweaty neck sweat in the drinking water. Gross. <laughs> that is disgusting. That is what the ocean is there for. Yeah, exactly. You do your yeah. dishes in that little basin. You don't wash yourself. <laughs> what are you doing? Really stressful. Yes, I completely agree. I thought the exact same thing. Oh, thank you. I feel validated. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if like, I just, I had, guess I just have more questions about Steve, really. Um. <laughs> so many questions so few answers that is the real injustice of lost yeah no not enough steve and scott give me no one cares about polar bears they want steve 
I want to know Steve. Give me his backstory. Why was he on the plane? Do we know? Well, obviously, Steve and Scott were gay lovers, um, (laughs) in my opinion. And so I I think that he uses that time when he's going back and forth from, like, the caves or whatever (laughs) to meditate and uh, mourn Scott. He probably visits Scott's grave all the time. Yeah, on Boone Hill. Oh. <laughs> Boone Hill, it gets me every time. Except that was before Boone died. Scott died before Boone, so. You know, Boone. it used to be Scott Hill. Scott, then, yeah, Scott Hill. The erasure. Then this bozo with the pens. <laughs> the erasure. He still calls it Scott Hill. Everyone else moved on to Boone, but that's whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I still call it Scott Hill. (laughs) Okay, let it be known this podcast is specifically uh, uh, on the side of Scott Hill. We are Scott Hill truthers. We sure are. You can't deny Absolutely. it. Yeah. So he's like, oh, can I have that spoon? Um, and she's like, sure, let me wash it with my mouth real quick. <laughs> like, what? So gross. Honestly, like, were they not probably also eating oatmeal? Yeah, probably. So, like, she doesn't have to get the oatmeal off. I don't know. So she's like, okay, bye. And she like, she's like, hell yeah, what a great interaction with my crush. <laughs> and then she turns around. <laughs> and he was bringing food to Julia. And she's like, no. <laughs> It's so, like, I don't even have the words for it. It's so high school. Yeah. And it's delightful. And, like, if she wanted, she probably could have sat down with them. Like, what would they do? Like, you can't sit with us. Like, no, I'm sure they'd be fine with it. Like, you can hang out. These people are adults. Right. Even if Jack was like, I'm actually having a private dinner with Juliet, Juliet would be like, (laughs) um, Kate, you can sit with us, Jack. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just, it's so good. And again, like, just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And yet... And yet, the high school drama never dies. Yeah. And that's beautiful. So, moving away from high school, uh, she bursts into Sawyer's tent. (laughs) And he's like, hey, how dare you come into my tent before I said it's okay? (laughs) (laughs) When I fully did that to you earlier today. (laughs) That's very rude. And so he's like reading by lamplight because he's uh, so aesthetic. Um, And she's like, hello, I'm here to use you. And he wants to ask her about why she's crying, which I think is really nice. But he's like, now we're busy. It's so soft. And like, I just wish they would have spent like half a second more lingering on that. Because just for my own interests. But oh, that was so soft and beautiful. (laughs) Like it would have been out of character. So I understand why they didn't do this. Fully. Would have been out out of character for him to be like, oh, you're crying. And she's like, no, it doesn't matter. And keeps kissing him. And he's just like, no, let me stop you there. I want to know what's wrong. Like, the- Oh my God, who has written this fanfic? If yeah. it's you, send it my way. Yeah. Thank you. But I understand why they didn't have him do that. Right. Yeah. It, it It is not for the canon, but it is for my head canon for sure. When they were doing it in the cages, I was like, okay, fine. Um, Like knowing that the camera was there, I did not love. Uh, But like when they, it's it's them and also um like Jin and Sun to have off screen had sex in these tents. And I'm just like, ah, people live beside you. Your <laughs> walls are not even walls. Tarp. You know? Just tarp. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. Some some poor soul is walking by to go to the bathroom and it's like, what? It's like, whoop. And then they go home and then they go back to their tent and like gossip about it. <laughs> oh, they sure do. That's why I wish Arzd was here longer. Oh, he would he would tell everyone everything for yeah. sure. Yeah, poor guy. Oh. So the next morning... Juliet is doing carpentry. Good for her. She can do it all. And Jack is like jealous about it. She can do it all. (laughs) 
Jack's like, whoa, where'd you learn how to do this traditionally masculine thing? <laughs> and Kate's like, what the hell? All the things I do are traditionally masculine. And I love that, like, it's literally just her hammering a nail into yeah. a piece of wood. Oh, my God. I don't. It's another thing that you do when you fix things. Jack's into it. I I don't <laughs> like to talk about the, uh, the number show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me of the scene in the very first episode where Clark just draws a straight line on a map and Wells <laughs> fully goes, where'd you learn how to do that? <laughs> I, She's like, mm, it's easy with a ruler. <laughs> just so funny. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's like, what, your dad didn't teach you? It's a traditionally masculine trait. And he's like, nah, my dad taught me this other traditionally masculine trait, which is drinking. It's like, ah. She's like, okay, well, that's something. Okay. So he did teach you one thing, and that's important. It's cute. Yeah. We love healthy um, father relationships. That's what Lost is all about. Between sons. Yeah. I truly am like, you know, we all understand and know that <laughs> Jacket, which was their uh, ship name, <laughs> is not endgame or long for this world. But I do want to say that when, it, you know, it was happening uh, in basically from the beginning of this season to the end of this season, I didn't hate it. It was not terrible. Yeah. Because it had so much more, uh, just everything that Kate and Jack didn't have. Mm. Like, there was no, like, in uh, imbalanced? Unbalanced? Im- Why can't I think of the correct word? Imbalanced. Oh. Un- that sounds right. Un- unequal. The power dynamics. (laughs) (laughs) They like with Jack and Kate. It was always so like Jack was always so uh, patronizing to Kate, and Mm. there was always so much like pettiness and fighting. But with Juliet, there's like genuine respect there, and like appreciation for you know what she brings to the table and who she is as a person because he spent that time with her yeah so it's not awful (laughs) yeah i think that they have more in common as well and like you know opposites attract and everything which is why you know because sawyer and kate had more in common and jack and juliet did and so then they were like opposites attract and so they were like switch (laughs) which also makes sense and is fine but i still think that it kind of i think that all this whole love square works in every single way including kate juliet and jack sawyer (laughs) it sure does it sure does. And that is the agenda that we are here to talk about yeah. today, folks. <laughs> Why pick the 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 man and the woman when we could have a woman and a woman and a man and a man? That is gay rights. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that this scene is really interesting because it reminds me of when Jack started talking about his dad in Stranger in a Strange Land in the flashbacks to Achara. And she was like, hey, shut up. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> And it's nice that Juliet is like, oh, let me ask you a question about your dad. When Atra was like, I don't want to hear about your dad. And he's like, I don't really want to talk about him. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't Jack always want to talk about his dad? Like, I feel like. Right. Secretly. Always. Even when he doesn't, he does. Right. Definitely. Jack's just always like, I have daddy issues. And we're like, we know Jack. And he's like, but do you really? And we're like, yeah. Yeah, And he won't let go of it, which. You know, you know, when you only have like three personality traits and daddy (laughs) issues is one of them, you got to bring it up when you can. I get it. What else is there for him to really talk about? I mean, you can only talk about fixing things for so long. And, you know, if someone asks you a question, by all means, you're just going to run with it. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have this new headcanon in Stranger in a Strange Land now of when, you know, uh, the way Matthew Fox played that moment was very nonchalant, like, ha you're so right. But in my head, he's like secretly crying, being like, I just want to have a conversation. <laughs> he's like, oh, Jack to your moment. Absolutely devastating. <sighs> he's like crossing off like a little mental notepad he has. And he's like, oh, well, not talking about Don't dad. Talk about cool. Dad. <laughs> running out of yeah. topics here. Yeah. He's telling me to stop talking. I don't know. (laughs) So uh, Sawyer shows up and he says, are you two arguing over who's your favorite other? Adorable. I think we know who Jack's favorite other is. Tom Friendly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Football pal. I mean, who's he going to play football with now, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying is that the past two, like, couple episodes where he's, like, mourning, he's like, I can't believe they left us and everything. He's really betrayed the most by Tom Friendly. Yeah. Absolutely. That was his bestie. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's funny when Sawyer walks up and they're like, oh, hey, guys. And everyone's like, ugh, what do you want? And he's like, well, I just wanted to invite you to play a game with me. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I wish to play ping pong with you, please. And Jack's like, okay. Well, of course he'd agree. Like, he doesn't have anyone to play games with. So Exactly. Yes. It makes makes sense. Jack's like, oh, right. This is who I played games with before. Friendly. I forgot. (laughs) Now it's physical and mental games because. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Friendly was just such a such an experience for me that I completely forgot what I was doing before now. <laughs> yeah. Before now it's just like, oh, this guy's not the same, but he's all I got, so. <laughs> I love um, how aggressively they're playing. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Like, they're being so, uh, like, nonchalant about it. Like, oh, hey, this is just a casual conversation that we're having. But they're trying to, like, beat each other so bad. And I think that it is just such a clear picture of just, like, ego. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so funny. It's like um Dwight and Moe's playing ping pong at the end of that episode of The Office. Like, just constant back and forth. So aggressive. And for no reason. For no reason. It's ping pong. Right. It's a little plastic ball with your little plastic paddles. You don't got to be so aggressive about it. But they do. And they're literally talking like so out of breath. They're like, what? <laughs> it's just a conversation. <laughs> it's fine. And they both like know they're doing it, but they don't. Yeah. Admit it, you know? Oh, Mm -hmm. it's so funny. So I think it's Sawyer who's like, oh my God, I finally beat you at something. And Jack's like, well, uh, well, the reason that you did that is because I'm out of practice. That's why. (laughs) I haven't played since I was 12. Like, all right, Jack. (laughs) So that's that's why. Jack. He's something else. Sawyer's like, oh, it's weird that you, uh, like, being back is so weird. And he's like, oh, that's what Kate said. And he's like, uh, you guys were, like, hanging out? And he's like, no, I was with Juliet. And Sawyer gets another point at this point because he's, like, kind of pissed off. <laughs> and Jack asks if he wants to keep playing because, of course, Jack needs another opportunity to win. And Sawyer says yes. And you know why he says yes? Because they're friends. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they're, like, trying to beat each other so bad, they're still, like, friends and they can be friendly and i like that a lot yeah i love it it's one of my favorite aspects i think of the show like mm-hmm. you know even past all their drama and everything that comes up it's like those two are still such a important backbone in the series like mm-hmm. even from the start i mean like that scene with um, him telling jack about his dad because it's season one finale like yeah you know there, there's something there that's always been you know they, they do care about each other despite how <sighs> difficult things get between them but I don't know. I do always appreciate like the little moments like 
this or they're still each other's friends too yeah they like joyer oh the mm-hmm. good ship joyer it's <laughs> it's alive and well it's yeah. so good and yeah i just love because you don't see many shows that do that like have two males competing for like a female love interest who are able to like put aside their differences when like push comes to shove and like have mutual mutual respect for each other mm-hmm. but jack and sawyer always do and like ugh, it's beautiful I love it. I definitely agree. So like we said earlier, Kate is like having her little bath in that's literally (laughs) the drinking water as far as I understand. And then not only does she do that, but then she also puts her sweaty ass hand back in there too. Sure does. So gross. That is not what that is for, Kate. Yeah. So then Sawyer walks up. He said that he got her mixtape because he really cares. It's called Romance and it's (laughs) the best of Phil Collins. (laughs) I, you couldn't have written a more perfect scene. It's mm, chef's kiss. I love it. (laughs) But he stole it from Bernard. (laughs) I love that Bernard has it. Like, like, Mm -hmm. how can they listen to it? Like, really? Right. At this point, right? But Bernard still is holding on to the best of Phil Collins, which I love. It's his favorite. (laughs) It probably has, like, significant meaning with, like, Rose or something. Oh, I want want to know. We should have had another Rose and Bernard episode. Oh, really should have i completely agree just for fun they were cute the best it's crazy because i i think it's like this whole season maybe we don't see rose and bernard uh, until greatest hits which is a couple episodes from Mm. now dang yeah Um, we haven't seen them and i i think it said on lostpedia that this is the first mention of rose or bernard this season that's so weird I don't love that. Give me more. It's crazy because it's like... I want more. It's like I kind of almost didn't notice because we have so many characters, but I'm also like, I love those characters so much and I wish we had utilized them. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's the joy of Lost though, where it's like you have so many characters that like a whole episode or like a season can go by and like someone's not there and you're like, oh shoot, they weren't here. But like you get so distracted because there's so many things going on. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the moment they're back or even mentioned, it's like, oh, yeah, wait, where are they? And then you're like looking for them, too. And it's like there's just there's so many things mm-hmm. that they had to cover. But and then they do always come back. They yes. uh, I mean, yeah. imagine Lost killing a character like Rosa Bernard off screen. Like, oh, oh, yeah, they uh right. They would never like I, it's just it's so good. They do such justice to every single like kind of character, no matter like how mm-hmm. like relevant they are to the current storyline absolutely so good and even when they have to do something hastily like when they had to write off mr echo they still like did it with respect and like did their like the best that they could with the amount of time that they had right there's so much care there it was really beautifully done i mean they really kind of wrapped up the story so nicely that it was like he's one of those ones where you're not sitting there like man i just want to know like more about mr echo it's like i got Mm -hmm. it like i get his story and he was Mm -hmm. like there was a real i don't know it felt complete with him so it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like these like missing things which was nice it's not like some of these people die and you're like well, I, I don't know everything though <laughs> can, they, right. can they come back <laughs> and then they do and what i love about that is because casey brought up the hundred first so i'm allowed to bring it up yeah. i'm so sorry but like there are several characters <laughs> there are several characters on that show that died in such terrible ways that you can't go back to the beginning of the series without being like, ugh, mm. now I, I feel gross about that. I don't even like looking at them anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. But like with Mr. Echo, even though like his death was so hastily done, I can still like go back to the beginning of season two and be like, there's my friend Mr. Echo, you know? <laughs> I don't have to think about how crappy his death now. Right. Yeah. yeah, that, and that's what like sucked. I mean, 
a lot of things sucked about the hundred but like that's the thing that sucked the most in my opinion was just how the excuse was always oh life is random death happens <laughs> but like you're like bad things happen to good people i don't know but like when death happens to someone significant like in your life you don't just move on like yeah there's just a continuous like process of like remembering and grieving there and that's what the hundred never got right and that's what lost always gets right and that <laughs> is why i only acknowledge lost as um the best show in the world thank you <laughs> would you like a show that treats its characters with respect and its audience with respect would you like a showrunner that doesn't hate you and actually wants you to have a good time <laughs> try lost <laughs> <laughs> get a 30-day free trial when you use code aficionados at checkout yeah <laughs> <laughs> so sawyer's like hey kate did you want to be with me just because of jack and juliet because i care about you romantically but if you only care about me sexually just say so so that i can like know that i love him for saying that and then she like doesn't answer he's so sweet <laughs> what's this your mixtape Well, you gonna take it or ain't you? The best of Phil Collins, huh? Don't get picky. If Bernard asks, I don't know a thing about it. Thanks, James. So why'd you jump me last night? What? Was it because you saw the doc hanging out with Juliet? It is not like that. It's not. You ain't gotta use me, Freckles. All you gotta do is ask. He's so upfront, like, with how he feels for her. Like, the first, like, two and a half, even, like, into season three, like, he he's so, like, childish about it. And he just won't, like, admit, like, the way he feels. But now he's kind of just, like, now that he's had a taste of what it's like to be with her he just wants to be honest with her and upfront with her even if she doesn't reciprocate her feelings like in the same way and and doesn't feel the way that he does he has now just at least gained the ability to be upfront about his emotions and how he feels with her and i yeah. love it i just think it's interesting that like he does kind of still try to cover it though like it's like oh yeah yes he cares about her but it's like but if if that's not what you want and it's like oh you don't deserve this. Like, then I'd be fine. I wouldn't even care. <laughs> no, at all. You said that. <laughs> Whatever. I Yeah, with him, no. But oh, I always felt so bad for him, though. Like, he's yeah. so sweet. And it's just, <sighs> poor guy. He'll be fine. And it makes total sense because, like, you know, when you're sort of in the talking stage... And it's like, you know, flirting is happening, but like, I don't actually know how this person feels really, you know, mm -hmm. especially if it's not something that you like met on a dating website or something <laughs> where you're like specifically looking for a date. Like, it's just like, I don't know, mutual friends or like yeah. you met at school or something like that. Then it's like, okay, well, right now we're just talking right now. We're just texting. And so like, I don't actually know if this is we're just talking or if this is flirting or what's happening. But then once like all that stuff happens in, in the cages where it's like, literally, I love you and stuff like that. Now it's like, okay, I'm fully okay to be because before it's like so much more of a risk mm -hmm. to be like hello i care about you uh, but but he doesn't know how she feels back but now after all that happens then it's like hello i know that you at least at one point cared for me <laughs> so i do you still feel that way yeah so i feel okay doing saying that i at once cared for you once mm -hmm. also <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Kate very much like emboldened him like when they were in the cages together. And yeah. I think that's something that's I think my favorite way. Um, 
that's my favorite thing about how their relationship develops this season is that like they learn to be a little less kind of hostile with each other and more giving each other the best parts of each other if that makes sense because yeah. I feel like in the beginning they they were very attracted to each other for kind of the worst parts of themselves like you think about the uh, bonfire scene and it's it's beautiful and romantic and tense and amazing and I love it but it's also like the things they're talking about aren't good yeah. but they relate to each other very much because they have right sawyer's a republican (laughs) Uh, yeah we don't talk about that (laughs) i can change him yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. (laughs) yeah they very much bonded over like their trauma or like their bad experiences but this season they kind of learn like what they mean to each other and how they can kind of be a little better to each other and in turn they're like better to themselves and they like grow as people i don't i mean at least sawyer does i don't know about kate yeah Yeah, all that to say is um i like it thanks And I also think that, you know, every relationship uh, that doesn't work out makes you a better, like, you know, in some instances, will make you, like, a better partner for the next person who comes. Oh, 100%. And oh my god, that makes me feel things mm-hmm. in terms of Sawyer. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's the right audience for that one. But. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about with that storyline or we can move on? Um... um. Oh, I did want to say that, like, I know it's an island and that clothing options are scarce, but why was Sawyer wearing denim on denim? Was it necessary? Was there no... I just don't think that Sawyer's a fashionista. I don't think he realized what he was doing. He's clearly not. That's very obvious, but I'm like, oh... (laughs) But hey, you're going in to see if this girl wants to boink with you when you're wearing denim on denim. Like, yeah, step it up. That's why Kate said no. Step it up, my guy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. She yeah. looked at his outfit and was like, absolutely not. He's like, yeah. no. <laughs> um, I just, I love Sawyer. That's that's my takeaway yeah. from this. And I, yeah, I love him. I would have to agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. I'm also <laughs> in agreement. Yeah. Yeah, so we're good here. All right, so now we're going to move on to the Desmond storyline on the island, and I also did the summary for that one. Oh, she is such a star. (laughs) Thank you. So Desmond has a flash of Charlie dying in the woods with Jin and Hurley, which would bring, he believes, Penny to the island. He asks Hurley about the wire that goes into the ocean. They both go to Jack to ask him for his first aid kit by lying. Des tells Hurley to cool it because he's acting suspicious. He explains his logic to Hurley. Jin is the next part, but Des doesn't know how to get him to come. Hurley tells Jin it's just a camping trip and Jin agrees. Des goes to Charlie, who immediately thinks this is a vision thing, but Des tells him it's not. The four of them walk down the beach whistling together and Hurley recognizes where they are and they find the wire. It's getting dark, so they set up camp for the night. That night, Jin tells creepy Korean ghost stories, and it's adorable. (laughs) Or I guess creepy ghost stories in Korean. (laughs) I don't know if that ghost story is specifically Korean. I just don't know. Yeah, who's to say? We we do not speak Korean, unfortunately. (laughs) Charlie asks Desmond about the picture he carries. They see a helicopter crash into the ocean, and Des is super distressed, but then they realize that someone jumped out. Des wants to go now, but Charlie wants to wait until the morning. Des can't go without Charlie, so he has to wait. In the morning, they rush through the jungle. Hurley stops for a break and des notices a bag in a tree he grabs it and it has a book a satellite phone and the picture of desmond and penny desmond keeps running because now he's certain that it is penny
Kenny in there. Charlie says he wishes that Dez would have told him the truth because they would have just helped just to help him. Hurley and Charlie start having the conversation from Desmond's vision and he sees the trap that would kill Charlie but he saves him at the last second. After the rain subsides they split into pairs and Charlie confronts Dez about knowing that he would die the whole time. Jin and Hurley find the parachutist and Desmond climbs up to get her. He cuts her down from the tree but when he opens the helmet it's not Penny. Not Penny's helmet. It is not Penny's helmet that's for sure. <laughs> so in the first scene, the, uh, this is Desmond's vision, what could be happening to Charlie. These are the conversations that I want to see when these guys go on treks, because I always think <laughs> they must be so bored and just like walking in silence. Like I want to see us having conversations like this. Yes, please talk about whether Superman or the Flash would win in a race. Those are my thoughts, exactly. I wanted the conversation to keep going. Yeah. I'm like, okay, are we going to put barriers on Superman's powers? I mean, I don't think that's very (laughs) fair if we're not going to do that to Flash, but... Whatever. I wanted to talk about it. I have to figure, like, conversations like that must be going on, like, all the time, right? Like, there's a bunch of people on this island. You've got, like, a couple of them off on a trek, but, like, the rest of the time, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you talking about, you know? Like, you're going to talk about really dumb things, and, you know, that like, that's that's the show I want to see. I would have gone for another three seasons of lost just of like the background conversation just of those yeah right yeah for sure i feel like you know we're gonna be on this very soup like super um like serious trek and saeed's gonna have like this look of pure determination and i would just saddle up and be like what are you thinking about <laughs> fully what's going on that man is always brooding it's like be like torture and i'd be like oh <laughs> i don't want to hear about it actually <laughs> and then i and then i move over to somebody else <laughs> yeah i want to hear but i feel like i'd be like what's your life story right yeah. whatever you'll tell me what happened ha- how was your high school experience <laughs> tell me something about what happened did you do any clubs i would love to see that actually saeed in high school yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it just he just seems like he's all i mean i know we saw the one flashback like as a kid but he just seems like mm-hmm. he'd always be like a, a grown man who yeah. could kill you like it's hard to imagine <laughs> him any any less as a than small that. man who could maybe kill also you maybe kill, kill you me? i well, don't know probably i think the only person who we see in high school is Locke in a flashback in season four and that that flashback is like two minutes long but I'm like more of that please right that is the content that I'm Uh, here for like Saeed have you ever worked in a restaurant well he he did I want to hear about your time working in that restaurant yeah I want to know yeah I would love that (laughs) tell me more that's just like (laughs) you just ask everyone island have you worked in a restaurant (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> a restaurant? That's a, a Hurley question. <laughs> Hurley would be like, what kind of food did you serve there? Was it good? And Charlie would be like, is there any banoffee pie there? <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I just feel like whenever they're walking, they're walking in full on silence. And I'm like, could not be me. I can't be alone with my own thoughts. It's either like silence or just like really intense conversation. And it's yeah. just like, you know... It- You've got a long walk ahead of you. Like, maybe have fun. Yeah, let's let's right. lighten some of the topics so we're not just talking about, like, our impending doom all the time, you know? <laughs> I know, Kate's like, <laughs> doing dishes and oatmeal, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's great because they're like, oh, well, why would they do this 
foot race. This makes no sense. Why would they do that? Like in what, you know, instead of who would win in a foot race, now we need to know the reasoning towards <laughs> that. And I'm also pedantic, so I appreciate that. And Hurley's like, maybe they would do it for charity. They did. <laughs> they they did. In the, uh, there's like, there's a lot of comics and stories. And even in Justice League movie, there was like a scene where the Flash and Superman like race like just for funsies. But they do mm-hmm. actually do it for charity. Like at one <laughs> point, I think it's like the, the first like uh, race that they have. They do it to like raise money for the united nations or something I love that. it's delightful and also i am on hurley's side just for the record <laughs> right how are you going to tell me that the fastest man alive isn't gonna win a race I, right. anyway like even if you gave even if you gave him like some crappy shoes he'd still win right there's something i love about that conversation though too it feels very um it just sounds like a lost fan conversation. Like, oh, yeah. you think this would happen? Well, why would why would it happen if this is the case? Like, that just sounds like the theorizing that was going on, which I kind of love. Like, it really just mirrored us. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm so upset because I know that Charlie and Hurley have these crazy, stupid conversations Ugh. all the time and what we never see them. It's sick. It's sick. Ugh, I'm sad thinking about all the content that we don't have. <laughs> I want more. So Charlie steps on a wire and he gets shot in the throat with an arrow. And honestly, this part is a little too gory for me to actively watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm with you there. It reminds me of this conversation that we had, I think, in Flashes Before Your Eyes when we talked about, I talked about how how traumatizing it must be for Desmond to constantly be seeing visions of these gory, horrific deaths. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is like the first time that we actually get to see like, what one of his visions right. is like yes. and oh my god it's it is horrible. so real and terrible and quite the jump scare and what this is like the fifth or sixth one yeah especially for the opening of an episode oh yeah mm-hmm. like because i don't know like when i first watched it i was like whoa what are they doing like that freaked me out yeah like now you watch it and you're like oh it's the it's the dream like it's not really mm-hmm. what's happening but when you first see it and you've already been told like you're gonna die like my goodness that's horrifying right like in that moment i'm just like desmond why didn't you save him right oh yeah and it's like you know it's lost you know that's like they wouldn't kill charlie like that like just in the cold open of an episode but like it feels so real because it's happening Mm -hmm. and you're like i don't know what is happening from here and i don't like it and like once that happens like once you get shot in the neck with an arrow there's like no way to save somebody from that you know Mm -hmm. like when desmond later is like hey jack can i borrow your first aid kit and i'm like i don't know what you're trying to patch (laughs) up my guy like (laughs) I don't know what you're trying to do. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a medical professional, but I don't know if there is a way to like, you know, save someone who has been arrowed through the jugular. Well, then that kind of begs the question too, like, because we know Desmond wasn't necessarily planning on saving Charlie. Like there was yeah. kind of this, you know, back and forth there. But then you have to wonder, like, was the, the medical care stuff more for Charlie or more for penny quote unquote oh well, you're right this probably was supposed to because be i mean at least that way Ooh. oh it was definitely for penny i feel yeah. like if there were a problem and then it's like maybe charlie if, we, if i feel like helping him out <laughs> if, if, if like he this. makes it if yeah. i can get the arrow out of his throat <laughs> i'm just like what, what what desmond what were you planning on doing like once charlie gets shot in the neck with the arrow then like you know that uh like hurley and Jin have to be in the vision where you see where you save penny mm-hmm. and so so I'm like, uh, so what happens with Charlie's body? Do you just leave it there? Because I have 
questions. I have a feeling Hurley would not be down. No. Are y'all taking it with you? I don't know. But on Lostpedia, they pointed out that in the beginning of this episode, Desmond's flash shows Charlie getting shot with the arrow and dying, but it also shows Charlie holding the parachute later in the flash. So Desmond's flashes are not always accurate, clearly. No, clearly. <laughs> Interesting. So then we see that it was just a vision and Desmond's like sitting weird on some rocks and I'm like, why are you perched like that, pal? It's not look comfy. Like the sand is right there. Yeah. So he goes and like yells at Hurley about it and Hurley's like, did you eat the mushrooms that Jack told us not to eat? I would like to know more about these mushrooms. I had yeah. the exact same thought. Like where's the episode where everyone's just on whatever these weird mushrooms Yes. Are? That's what I want to see. Yeah. We deserve that. Throw out Stranger in a Strange Land. Give me that weird episode no one yeah. asked for. Oh my god, that would have been so good. So then Desmond's like, where's the wire? Mm-hmm. And Hurley's like, I'm not wearing a wire. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. So they go to see Jack and they're like, oh, hey, it must be nice to wake up in your own bed. And Jack's like, well, actually, I've been sleeping in an actual bed in an actual house, but sure. <laughs> I guess. This is kind of a downgrade, gotta say. Yeah, actually, mm, it's not good. But then Jack calls it home sweet home, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. It's like... Jack. Yeah. It's like, it. it's just a bunch of tarps, but it, it's, it's their tarps. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, can I borrow your first aid kit? Because I twisted my ankle. And then he proceeds to walk away without a twisted ankle. <laughs> but Jack's like, oh, do you want my help? And he's like, no, no, I can do it myself. I have fixed twisted ankles. And Jack's like, I remember three plus years ago. I loved that line. Yeah. It's so good. It fully so went over my head the first time I heard it, I think. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, guy can't walk, I guess. But oh my God, <laughs> watching it today, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That's yeah, a really good one. Like, oh, they, they're so good with this show. And then Hurley's just being weird about it. Doing these like little callbacks and things. And yeah, that you mentioning Hurley, does anyone know that they met before? Like, has anyone ever brought that up? I... I feel like maybe on one of their tracks they talked about it and we just don't know. What if you're just like, hey. <laughs> yeah, that we just didn't see. I think, you know, that's a good question because Desmond or Jack, like in front of Locke and mm-hmm. maybe Kate, she was listening through the, the vent <laughs> when he first met him was like, oh, you. Mm-hmm. It feels like something that Jack would have kept to himself. But also, I feel like you know what i just don't know the answer like it's just a weird it's like jack wouldn't tell people but i feel like desmond would right like desmond would be like yeah i saw this guy before but like even jack keeping it (laughs) because jack was like no one needs to know that i fell down once (laughs) (laughs) he would totally do that yeah jack would like gatekeep the information because he'd be like no 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 like people need don't need to know like i'm the leader but like yeah and desmond's just like yo this guy ate it he ate it it was so funny (laughs) it was the funniest thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about it before, but I thought that was weird because, like, yeah. Hurley just kind of staring in there, like, okay, and like, obviously. But he's like so focused on not being weird that he like doesn't even notice, <laughs> and then is weird about it. Oh, I love that when when Jack calls him out, yeah. he's like Hurley, and he's like, oh, just hanging out with my friend Desmond, and Jack's like, <laughs> all right, listen, I got other things to do, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Imagine if Jack was like, did you guys eat the mushrooms that I told you not to eat? <laughs> Oh, that would have been He's great, like, actually. I wish that. Give us the mushroom episode. I'm just, just hanging out with my friend Desmond because he's my friend. And I think he's like, <laughs> I'm just hanging out with Desmond. And Jack's like, okay. And he's like, because we're friends. And he's like, okay. I, I believe you. Whatever. <laughs> Must be nice to wake up in your own bed. 
Yeah. Home sweet home. So I was wondering if I could borrow your first aid kit. I've uh, twisted my ankle. You want me to take a look at it? Nah, you're right. Tape my share of ankles. Right. Something wrong, Hurley. No, uh, just keeping Desmond here company. Because we're friends. Bring that back when you're done with it, okay? Absolutely. What the hell was that? Do you want him to get suspicious? Suspicious of what? And Desmond gives him a look before they walk away. He like gives him a look like, dude, cool it, man. You're really ruining this. <laughs> so D Jack's like, okay, well, bring it back, please. Desmond's like, sure. And they start to walk away. And Desmond's like, dude, can you not? <laughs> you made it weird. So then Hurley starts putting it together. And he's like, oh, someone's going to get hurt. And so Desmond tells him the vision. He says it's kind of like a puzzle. And the first piece of the puzzle is you picking up that wire. But I can't tell you any more about it because then the like rest of it will change. And I'm trying to get it to happen. That whole like analogy is like so clarifying for how Desmond is like experiencing these flashes mm -hmm. and and how he chooses to what to act on and how because the whole time like ever since it he starts having them you know that he's having these visions or whatever but we don't really know what he's seeing or mm -hmm. how much and i just love this analogy of it being like a jigsaw puzzle that changes that picture changes every time you act on something because it's just yeah. like the whole like butterfly effect of it all and you make one different move and suddenly everything is different. And yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. I made a note on that too because there's, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the Lost Jigsaw puzzles they put out. I am not. I don't think so. I immediately need that though. Like they had like a set of four of them but the thing was on all of the boxes they're like you don't have the full picture of what it looks like on the box they show you like a portion of it ah that makes sense that they would do that crap oh that is amazing and then then you have to kind of try to put it together without knowing what you're putting together and so when i once i got like those and then i watched the show again i was like oh Wait, they did that because this is the moment. They they did that. They know what they're doing. But then I mean, those things are crazy too. Because if you flip them over, there's like a, you use a black light. It's ridiculous. Oh my but, gosh. You know, it's very lost. But that was one of those things where it's just like, of course they would. Of course, lost would give you a puzzle and not put the picture on the box. Like that's just so them. But I always thought that was interesting. They did that. They just they just respect us so much. They do. They're like you're not stupid. You know, mm -hmm. like they they're not gonna just lay it out for us. You know. And sometimes they have characters just like say exposition over and over again just to like remind you what happened like they don't do that and they 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 know that we're smart yeah. and that makes me feel smart yes there's no spoon feeding going on yeah and i think that's better too because you know you that's why people like don't like the show because like well i didn't get answers it's like you know you weren't paying attention like the answers were there you just didn't yeah you did get answers but go off i guess them given to you like hey, this is what this is. Like, no, they just expected you to, you know, think. But it yeah. was nice when that they would just trust us as an audience. They give 
the audience so much credit and so much agency, I feel like, as like being part of the show. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And there are so few shows that actually do that, that actually trust that their viewers can figure things out and can be active participants in the story with them. And that was probably like a huge leap of faith for Lost to take, like Mm -hmm. to, to give so few direct answers and to keep things mysteries for five seasons and not answer them until the sixth but it's it's so special i feel like and it's part of what makes lost lost is that kind of interactive process that it has with the viewer where they're like okay we're going to give you the the blueprint the general blueprint but you're gonna have to figure things out Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah i love that i i like and now at this point in my the amount of times that i've rewatched i am watching specifically to find these sort of things and even though like i can still go on lostpedia to try and find you know fun facts for the podcast every single time and i still find things that i'm like oh my god i didn't even put that together mm-hmm. it's uh, there's no other show that i've ever been able to find that's like to that extent where like mm-hmm. you can watch it two times or 10 times or 20 times like it doesn't matter like you will still be better off for it because they put so much thought and effort into it and even the stuff that wasn't necessarily like meant to be there like somehow it's right the stuff that wasn't intentional still connected it's amazing they could do that i mean there's a lot that's not intentional and we know that i mean that's fine but it's even better that you can be like oh they, they still connected their dots though like that's pretty darn cool yeah and that just yeah. that just goes to show how strong the structure of the show was. Mm-hmm. That like they could do all these things and then find out, oh hey, some of these things connect and we didn't mean them to connect, but they do. And I guess like that's just how strong of a show it is and how strong the structure of it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jin was also part of this vision, and so he also yeah. has to come. This scene between Hurley and Desmond before <laughs> they go walk over to Jin is the scene that I grabbed all my screen screenshots from for the embroidery that I made of Desmond. Oh my god. So I'm like, hey, I feel like I watched this recently. Wow. You should check out my Desmond embroidery on my Etsy because no one's bought it yet so it's just sitting in my drawer. And this is such a good look. Yeah. Mm. I was like, it has to be blue shirt, obviously. Has to. Of course. Yeah. So if anybody wants that, it's ready to ship. Um, I made it so that it matched with the penny one that I made, but that was a custom one. So the penny one has been shipped out, but the Desmond one's just hanging out in my drawer. So if you want it, you can have it. Thanks. Love that. (laughs) So Hurley keeps like giving exposition. And on other shows, it's like, you know, the audience is like, oh my God, okay, we get it. And so I love that instead of the audience being like, we know, we saw the show. Desmond's the one who's being like, yeah, thanks for explaining again, doofus. <laughs> like, I already told you that because the, just because there's a commercial break doesn't mean that we forgot. <laughs> so they need because they really need to reiterate this uh, concept because it's it's kind of confusing, but it's not disingenuous the right. way that they do it. Right. I think that's what what's important. Mm-hmm. So they're like, if it's not exact, it might not happen. So we got to get Jin. Desmond doesn't know how, but Hurley does. So Hurley goes over and asks Jin <laughs> if he wants to go camping because he figures Jin probably wants to like go have fun with his friends. And he was like <laughs> invited specifically. That was so cute. He got like a specific invitation. And I feel like he's like, Jin would want to do that. I love that. I and that's, that's so adorable. Cute. But also is is living on the island not camping? Right. Like, <laughs> how different is camping from the experience you already have. That's fair. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, he's like, you know, nothing spooky's going on right now. So do you want to go have a nice time? It's adorable though. Get away from the missus. I love that Hurley tried to sell it with marshmallows too. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Everyone likes marshmallows. It's like, oh, you have some? Like, okay, thank you. Right. So <laughs> yes. cute, though. Oh, and Jin's smile. Everyone on the show has, like, the cutest smile in the world. Like, that's just important to say. I completely agree. Like, every time someone smiles. Every single day, I say we do not see Terry O'Quinn smile on this show enough. We don't. Because literally every time I'm like, look at him. It's it's really He's bad. So, but, he oh, has the most beautiful smile. He really does. But then I say that every time someone's on screen. I'm like, they're yeah. so cute. Because they are. But Jin here especially, they really are. I like that one of the English words that Jin knows is marshmallow. And he's like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> I love Camping, it. no problem. No, it's so cute. So then they have to go up to Charlie, and Desmond's like, "I'll do this one alone," even though <laughs> Hurley's literally Charlie's best friend and probably could have done the same thing. But Charlie knows that it's a vision. He's songwriting with his guitar, and on Last PDF, it pointed out that it's a Pearl Station notebook. So that he took, or was Charlie even at the Pearl? I don't think so. Maybe someone brought some empty notebooks back. I guess because mm. the Pearl was filled with notebooks. Yeah. <laughs> so Desmond lies and says that it's just that. That Charlie happened to be there in the vision. Nothing, nothing bad would happen to him. And also, Jin and Hurley will be there, so that'll be fun. And Charlie's like, "Well, you haven't been actively saying that Jin and Hurley are going to die. So, do you see how I'm a little concerned about it? <laughs> see how how that might put me on edge." Yeah. So he's like, can I bring my guitar? Sure. Okay, yes. So he will go. On Lastpedia, it said that printed on Charlie's t-shirt is what appears to be J.R.R. Tolkien's White Tree of Gondor, which is important because Dominic Monaghan played Mary <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that, I don't know, the Lord of the Rings movies don't exist, but the books do, or maybe, or maybe the, the movies do. I guess this kind of goes back into when um, Sawyer referenced Cheech and Chong, and then we're like, uh-huh. doesn't uh, Hurley's dad just look exactly like Cheech Marin, or, you know? Yeah, totally normal. Mm-hmm. Just something that we need to not think about, I guess. <laughs> it's just doppelgangers. Yeah. <laughs> so they all walk down the beach. They're whistling together. There's four of them. So obviously four is an important number. And this is so cute. If I could make this my favorite line award, I would. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> I I love Desmond, but like in this uh group of four people, Desmond, you are such a buzzkill. Um, I know <laughs> I know that he's like busy, he's on a mission, and this is very important to him, but I'm also like, Des, can we just like have a good time? That's what everyone else was is here for, you know? <laughs> right. It's like I know you're going through a lot right now, bud, but uh, uh, smile. Uh, Play along, yeah. be a little less brooding. I don't know. Everyone is whistling and he's just like, hmm, mean muggin. <laughs> mean muggin. Yeah. So they are whistling the Colonel Bogey March. It is most famously used in the Bridge on the River Kwai, but also in Lawrence of Arabia, The Breakfast Club, The Parent Trap, and Spaceballs. It's in so many things and I love it every time it comes up. So my headcanon about this isn't that Desmond doesn't want to whistle because he's too intense. It's that he can't whistle and that's why he looks sad. That is the only headcanon I will support. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And listen, them whistling it is not very good. Uh, It sounds like only one person maybe actually knows how to whistle here. Uh, And my guess is that it's probably Charlie. Probably the musician. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) So Hurley recognizes the tree. Jin finds the wire and he says in Korean, is this? And of course, I'm sure in Korean, he's actually saying like, oh, is this it? Mm -hmm. But when I put the Korean into Google Translate, it says, is this? Yeah. You know what? It gets the point across. Yeah. I'm like, I I can get the gist of what he's 
he's saying here. So next, Desmond sees like seeing the red light in the sky. That's the next part of his puzzle. And Hurley's like, be careful if we go into the jungle because I almost got hurt by a trap last time. And Desmond's like, hmm. oh yeah, that would be really bad if we encountered another one of those. That would not be good. <laughs> Oh, uh oh. That's that's some food for thought there, Hurley. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing that up, actually. <laughs> so he's like, oh, we're not going into the jungle right now. We're going to camp here. And Charlie asks when the new person is coming. And he's like, soon. Don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> So that night we get Jin's ghost story and this is the translation for Jin's ghost story. So he says, and the girl turned to the man who saved her and said, thank God, I was afraid you were the hook man. And the man looked at the little girl with a smile and said, don't worry, little girl, my hook is still in your father's head. That's awful. I love that story about the bird. And Hurley gets scared even though he doesn't know what he's saying, which I think is just delightful. So funny. And I am (laughs) Hurley in this moment. And he's like holding up his sleeve with no hand in it. So I think the concept is that the girl looks down, sees that he doesn't have a hook hand, but his hook hand was just in her dad's head. Yeah, it's like like the hash slinging slasher from SpongeBob (laughs) gave me those kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, this scene is just absolutely delightful and Jin so is so cute. excited about it he's precious he's like i don't even care that these people have no clue what i'm saying I, this is probably the most he's gotten to like just talk and and be listened to yeah the most that people will let him just speak yes let Jin speak without being like Jin. i don't know what you're saying what is he saying son mm-hmm. like yeah and also it reminds me that um son is pregnant and this is he, he's maybe he's practicing oh my god i'll start crying right now yeah <laughs> I so I'll just go hurt. over here and pass away. Oh, <laughs> thank you. He's so cute. Right. I think I it's so cute. Jin. And and like Jin is like laughing because it's like, even though, you know, Hurley is like scared and everything and Hurley and Charlie is laughing and it's really sweet. And it's like Jin can just maybe even pretend just for that moment that even though they didn't understand what he was saying, it's like they heard him, you know, mm-hmm. they understood him and they were still able to like get the feeling of what he was saying. And they all had a reaction, just like a shared experience, even like with out language mm-hmm. yeah. i also like that it's i mean it's three of the four from our van escapades mm-hmm. too oh which right yeah that much better it's such a good little group that's why desmond's off to the side being like it feels like you guys have shared experiences <laughs> that i was not part of <laughs> Honestly, that could like, be part yeah. of it too. They keep yeah. talking about this guy named Roger Workman, and I yeah. just I don't get it. Is that a code name? I don't know who that is. So then Hurley's like, "Oh, I liked the part about the bird, right? There was a bird." Uh, and then when you look at the translation, you're like, "No, I don't know that there was." And I also don't know what part he thought was about the bird, but. He really tried, though, which I like. There was effort. So then they're like, okay, your turn. And Hurley asks about the chupacabra, which is a, (laughs) uh, like, a Mexican monster, which, of course, reminds us that uh, that's where Hurley's family is from. I love that Jin says, chupa, it's so (laughs) cute. He tries to say it. It's so cute. It's so cute. So Desmond is off sulking by himself. (laughs) Buzzkill. And Charlie goes over there because he's like, I see that you're distressed. Can I help you? And so Desmond tells Charlie about Penny and Charlie thinks that she's very pretty. And he's like, oh, I left her because I'm a coward. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that we know that now. At least you finally said it, bud. (laughs) I remember when we were talking probably in season two, I think about, mm, I would say definitely in like the season two finale, which was all about Desmond. You know, I remember that the word coward is thrown out about Desmond a lot. Mm -hmm. And it never really occurred to me that he really was, you know, 
because, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's one of the main characters and you could never catch them. You know, they'll say a lot of things about Jack, but they would never call him cowardly. Like the writers, I mean, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, like that's such a, like a negative word. And so even though they kept calling Desmond a coward, it never really occurred to me that he actually like was. I thought that was just kind of like a word that they were using. Mm-hmm. But then as I was rewatching for the pod, I was like, oh crap, there are so many he instances is. where this guy straight up is just a straight up coward. He yeah. is. It's a very bold characteristic to mm-hmm. put in one of your main characters and to trust that you'll still be able to get people to empathize with that character. Yeah. And the fact he's one of the most loved characters too. Exactly. I mean, really just overall, people don't hate Desmond. I mean, if they do, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, whoa, what? Like, it's surprising if someone doesn't like him. Yeah. And so you know yeah to have that be like such a big part of his character is really fascinating but you know they give him all these like fun interesting stories and then you're Mm -hmm. just kind of like but it's Desmond so it doesn't really matter but I don't know I love that cool one of the moments that really always stuck out to me was one of the first times when I realized that maybe Desmond is a coward is when um he was like having that conversation with Claire and he was like where's the baby's father and she was like oh he like bounced even though you know he told us to do this and then he left and left me with this baby and he was like oh maybe he thought that he was doing what was right for you and she was like no he was doing what was right for him and Desmond was like crap that's me being a coward again (laughs) there I go again yeah like that moment really I was like oh crap he's this is his you know cowardly behavior yeah right there on display Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he is like oh penny tried so hard to find me and so i'm wondering if like maybe these past three years if she's still looking for me that's like what i hope my name's penny that's not bad this not bad at all so how did you manage to leave her behind and come here because i'm a coward sorry <laughs> you and me both well you know, I tried to run away from her and she, she tracked me down. With enough money and determination, you can find anyone, she said. You know, I used to get through my nights. Thinking that she actually meant it, that she never gave up. That maybe she spent the last three years looking for me. So they hear the helicopter and it starts sounding weird. It falls into the water and Hurley wants to like go out there and save them. And they're like, how? <laughs> how would we do that? Um, but then they see the red light and they're like, oh, it must be uh, like that must be the person that we're looking for. It's, I can't even imagine like hearing a helicopter after all this time. Like, right. yeah, they've seen the others little little boat. But imagine just seeing a, an air vessel, an aircraft air vessel. Yeah. <laughs> An aircraft after all this time, I feel like I would just instantly be like, oh my god, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. Yeah. Like, it has to be so startling. But then to see it just crash into the ocean, it's probably like, oh god. Oh, there it goes. And and that just like our hope. <laughs> so Jin thinks that it's more food. And they're like, no, no, no. It's someone that ejected. It wasn't a pallet drop. Um, and they're like, well, you can't eject from a helicopter. So maybe they jumped. 
like Des said that it was a person. So it probably that's probably what it is because he can see the future. You see, I wonder if Jin knows what's going on. Like, I know that, you know, Hurley and Charlie are like, oh, J uh, Desmond, Desmond can see the future. But like, I wonder if Jin is like, I'm just along for the ride. I think he is. Or maybe he knows that something is going on, but he knows that there's no chance he's going to understand right. what. So he's just like, yeah, uh, I think I'm OK. Yeah. So Desmond immediately wants to go into the jungle and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And Charlie's like, it's going to be light in two hours so why don't we just wait and i'm like um why aren't you guys sleeping <laughs> right you need to sleep before you keep doing that it's gonna be light in two hours for some reason i thought it was to, like just happened to be evening no you've been up all night telling ghost stories go to sleep <laughs> you can't be doing this this is why you decided to take a rest to yeah. rest <laughs> yes right um so desmond accidentally says that who like who he thinks it is he says she and he's like no no they could be hurt so we all have to go right now and charlie says no i'm not gonna go either we wait or we don't go and desmond's like okay because he doesn't have a choice i like that charlie is like i understand that i have power here and i'm not interested in getting hurt and desmond's like oh man <laughs> i wanted you to get hurt so a couple hours later when it gets light out desmond's like rushing through the jungle and they're like hey hello like what are we doing next and he doesn't say anything and charlie's like what's going on and he's like why don't you trust me i keep saving your life and you just keep questioning me and i'm like probably because eventually you're gonna stop saving his life <laughs> Yeah. And who knows if you're going to tell him about that or not. Yeah. It's, uh, and he, Desmond's acting like so very different from how he has been acting all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, Charlie's going to be like, okay, well, clearly you saw something and yeah. you know something. Mm -hmm. And you're acting very different from the previous times you've saved my life. So yeah, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> yeah. And this par next part here is the part that put the, like the worst tasting taste in my mouth, which was the part where Hurley's like, okay, I just need to sit for a second and Desmond's like no keep going and Hurley's like um I'm literally in pain and Desmond's like no you're not keep going and I'm like sure please uh, uh, chill just it's too chill. much someone get him some mushrooms yeah he needs to <laughs> chill but it's like it was fully fate that Hurley stopped at this tree specifically and Desmond eventually realizes that so I'm like should say sorry Mm. An apology wouldn't kill you, bud. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting just seeing like the way Desmond, like when Penny is involved, like yeah. everything goes out the window. Like that is priority. She is number one. Like mm -hmm. does not matter anything else that's going on. It's like oh, it's yeah. just about Penny, and it's like total blinders on to oh, everything else. Which like I get it, but it's like Desmond, come on, like be nice to your friends <laughs> but he's also like rude about it in the process yeah That's and like yeah. at the i mean jumping ahead but at the very end where they're unhelmeting this unnamed individual hey, get away from her he's yeah he's fully pushing them aside and they're just trying to help yeah. her it's like bro bro yeah uh, uh some know. kindness wouldn't kill you <laughs> like he doesn't go far enough i think but if at, at some point if he kept treating me like that if i was hurley i'd be like hey i'm turning back oh fully yeah fully I, that's not what i signed up for i showed up here to help you and yeah. now i no longer want to help you because you're being kind of a dick about this you're being mean <laughs> so charlie finds this little doll and on lostpedia it pointed out that the hula doll found in the jungle looks like the doll in hurley's hummer oh oh wow so that's interesting um and then of course always like when we have these sort of like hawaiian sort of symbols it's also like a nod to them shooting in hawaii mm -hmm. Love it. So Jin in Korean says, where the hell did this come from? And they're like, well, it didn't come from Rousseau because we'd be in trouble. We'd literally be like, I don't know, in a net or something. 
if if I had picked this up and it had been Rousseau. So then Desmond notices like the bag in the tree and he just climbs on Hurley. She doesn't even ask permission. That's so rude. So the pack has a uh, catch 22 in it, um, but it's the Portuguese version. And we know that Penny was working with Portuguese, like men who were speaking in Portuguese at the end of season two. So that goes with that. The satellite phone, but it's dead, obviously. On Lostpedia, it said the satellite phone's menu icons in order from top left to bottom right are GPS, a home symbol, files, clock, phone, settings, mail, and uplink. And then below that is a hazard sign that says internal error. I would immediately be like, oh my God, clock? (laughs) Oh my God, calendar? (laughs) Having the concept of time again? Oh my God. Like Jin can look down at his watch if he, I can't remember if he, I think he like, did he give it to Michael? I think he did. I think he did. We know that Sawyer does actually have a watch, but maybe no one here does, but I'd be like, what time is it? (laughs) Absolutely. That would be so hard. Um, And what's mail? Emails? I would assume, but like, oh no, I don't know. I'm curious about files. Right, right. What they got on there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also inside of the book is a photo of Desmond and Penny and everyone's like, what? And so Desmond's like, oh my God, I'm sure that this is Penny. All signs to point to this being Penny. It literally like at the end of this episode, we're like, it doesn't make sense that this is not Penny. Right. Like, and she like sort of mumbles his name as well. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. did we have a body swap thing where this is Penny? And like, (laughs) you know, they switched actors within the same episode. Like what happened here? (laughs) While having the photo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I keep showing you the photo. Like it's not really (laughs) While fully having the photo. She's like, I look like this. This is what I look like. What are you talking about? (laughs) So they're like, oh, so you think it is Penny? And he's like, I, I hoped that it was Penny, but now I 100% know that it's Penny. Mm. Um, Can't blame him for that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't think that you would come. And they're like, of course we would have come because it's important to you. Yeah. At first I thought, oh my God, of course we would want to make it exactly like your vision exactly the way that you saw it because we want to help you because we're friends. And then I realized rewatching it today that he was saying because Penny will help us get rescued. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, I thought this was more um, soft than (laughs) than it was. Mm You think it's her, don't you? Who? Your girl. Penny. You think it's actually her who bailed out the helicopter? Earlier I hoped it. Now I know it. Why didn't you tell us? Would you come if I had? Of course. Why wouldn't I? I didn't want to tell you because... I didn't want anything to change. Fair enough. Look, if whatever you're seeing leads to your girl getting us rescued, why would we want to change anything? Right? Right. So then it starts to rain and uh, Hurley goes, uh, you didn't tell us we would need an umbrella. <laughs> so valid. Incredible. It's so good. Hurley oh. really just has these one-liners and I'm a huge fan. This show is a comedy. It really is. It really is. It's one of the funniest shows. It's so well-rounded. And I love that it's like, like you can have these lines that are like blatantly funny like that. You're just like, oh, okay, Harley, like that's a good one. But then yeah. you also have like the looks they'll give each other or just like when they call someone out for being stupid. And it's just mm-hmm. like, this is, this is my sense of humor. And everyone's so sarcastic, yeah. which I love. Um, they all have their own like tone of sarcasm, which is even better. And oh, it's the funniest show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we even have like physical, exactly like the way they look at each other, like physical comments 
comedy. Like earlier when, you know, in that scene with Jack where Hurley's just like being weird and Desmond gives him a look like, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. I just think it's funny that he's like, wow, you didn't tell us we would need an umbrella. I And and Desmond really did know it was going to rain. He sure did. He did know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't say anything. And he omitted that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, so good. So Jin asks about Penny and Hurley answers um, and like is trying to explain it. And he's like, even if I knew Korean, I still wouldn't even really be able to explain it because it just straight up doesn't make sense. <laughs> I love that line. By all accounts, it doesn't make any sense. And then Desmond goes, hey, we'll be faster if you shut up. <laughs> Desmond's like, we'll be faster if you're not talking. Shut up. <laughs> you shut up, Desmond. Jerk. And so Hurley's like, sorry, I'm not the Flash. And then we start having this conversation again. Delightful. So it said on Lostpedia that talking about the Flash might be a reference to, uh, to Desmond's Flash, thus turning the race between the Flash and Superman, who went back in time to save Lois Lane into a metaphor for fate versus free will. Oh. That's, that's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that one's a stretch, but I'm sure. You know... I, I like it though because like my brain I don't I don't know that kind of stuff but I love when people do know that sort of stuff and then yeah. they tell us about it and then we're like yeah smart so I'm like make it true I'm into yeah, it sure why not I mean time travel flashes sure it is relevant I mean and it makes sense that yeah. Hurley likes the flash because on Lostpedia it also said that the comic book that Hurley brought to the island was a flash of comic. course it was of course uh, it was I love this for and him like you had <laughs> said uh Casey it says Superman and Flash had foot races several times the first one starting in Superman 199 in August of 1967 yeah they had so many races Races. Yeah, that's so funny. And uh, Superman like actually won some of them, but I'm like, uh, just how? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so Desmond turns around and he's like, "Oh crap! This is it. This is the moment." And I like that they had to make this so like clear that we would know when the moment was happening. Mm-hmm. So they had them have this conversation that they would never have in any other any other like circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, like it had to be something that they haven't talked about before, so that when it happened again, we would be like, "Oh crap! This is the moment." Along with Desmond. Yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And also the way they had to like line up everything twice. Well, I'm sure much more than twice because you know filming and TV. But just the way we had to get Desmond's reactions this time and that those differences in his face knowing that this is like the moment it's happening it's mm-hmm. ugh, it's so good mm-hmm. yeah it's like there's one thing and and obviously his visions are very like detailed and probably feel very real but i feel like you know it's one thing to have seen it in your mind's eye and another thing to actually experience it outright for sure right and especially just knowing like he does care about charlie like it's mm-hmm. not like he wants anything to happen to him it's just this like when you keep having to save somebody and then knowing that there's a risk of changing things and like you know like it makes sense logically to think he would just want it to be over but like in that moment like you're not gonna let your friend just die like he like you wouldn't just do that so i don't know i i love how they play that out it's really beautiful yeah it's so good like he he loves charlie so much and he will keep saving him but also he's so terrified that if things don't go exactly as he saw them he's not gonna see penny he genuinely thinks that penny died in the tree because he saved charlie yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and he's like wow i can't believe i chose charlie over you yeah oof ouch you guys this is my crack ship (laughs) i support you and charlie 
I love it's it. It's so good. It's so good. And all the ways they're like connected in like the past. This one saves Charlie because maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. Oh my God. And after I all. Charlie literally sang that song with Desmond present. I love that. Maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And then he was. And then That's he was. One of the best things about this show. Like Poetic. just those little things. Like when, um, because my friends and I who watch the show, we're rewatching it together so yeah. I can like be annoying during it now and be like isn't this interesting that's the best way to watch lost it really is so i like pointing out all the little things and like we watched that episode not too long ago and i was like get it because he's gonna save him and they're like oh my god okay yeah i know i'm like that's so cool they're like it's so good (laughs) it's so beautiful it's so poetic yes oh I just I had a a curiosity in this moment because mm-hmm. as I said I was very curious about um the Superman versus the Flash conversation that they were having and the mm-hmm. moment that Charlie stops talking the first time in the cold open he steps on the wire and he is saying something about how oh we're not going to give Superman his strength or his speed so we should just suit him up in kryptonite blank Mm -hmm. like we don't hear the rest of his sentence like he steps on the wire he says kryptonite and then Mm -hmm. boom he gets shot with an aerial but in this second time (laughs) he gets the full sentence out like Mm -hmm. after he steps on the wire he says we should dress him up in kryptonite ballet slippers Mm -hmm. and then there's like this extended period of time between when charlie steps on the wire and when like the arrow goes off and i'm like so was the future already changed before that like is that the first Mm -hmm. indicator that things already weren't going the way that they were supposed to happen or the way that desmond saw them happening because i just i i don't know yeah i don't know either because like I mean I know that it was like an editing problem I think of like in Desmond's original Flash seeing Charlie die and then seeing Charlie in a later Flash Mm -hmm. but I wonder if like maybe Desmond just like after seeing Charlie die uh, was just so caught up in seeing that Penny Penny was there um, that he didn't even notice that Charlie was actually there right like I'm wondering like this it seems like this was was what was actually supposed to happen yeah it kind of does and tying into the flashbacks too like it it seems like everything that's supposed to happen happens and there's a specific reason why Desmond's life is playing out the way that it is yeah so when Desmond saves Charlie instead of going in his actual neck it goes into the neck of the guitar Ooh, I didn't even notice that yeah I love that that's good stuff his, his metaphorical neck one might say yes and so then uh, Charlie realizes in that moment that Desmond knew but it's almost like Charlie getting shot himself anyway because he loves his guitar so much <laughs> oh it's true so Jin and Desmond want to go in two different directions so they're gonna split up I love that Jin ends up being the one who's right though he's a smart man especially because Desmond's being such an asshole this <laughs> Hurley wants to go with Charlie but Charlie says that he wants to go with Desmond obviously because Desmond is actively saving his life <laughs> it's like we got some things to talk about bud mm, so but thanks yeah I imagine Hurley's just like okay <laughs> fine I'll go with Jin I like him too <laughs> So Charlie is saying, oh, you told me to duck. So you must have known the whole time. On Lastpedia, it was pointed out, Desmond saves Charlie by telling him to duck just as he yelled to the bartender in flashes before your eyes to save him from from being hit by Jimmy Lennon. Oh my God. (laughs) This show is a masterpiece. And he's like, well, you wouldn't have come if I had told you that you were going to die. And he's like, you were going to sacrifice me. And he's like yelling at him, I was supposed to let you die. And this is just going to keep happening. I'm being tested, but I'm failing. You knew. Even before we set off, you knew all this time, didn't you? Aye. Well, then why didn't you say anything? Because if I told you the truth, you wouldn't have come. 
Oh, you needed me to come. Because I was part of your vision. You thought the only way you could get your girl back was if I took an arrow in the head. You're going to sacrifice me. The flashes don't happen exactly how I saw them. The picture changes. I was supposed to let you die, Charlie. What's that supposed to mean? It means it's bloody pointless. I keep saving your life. And what good has it done? It's just going to keep happening again and again. Maybe that's the point, eh? Maybe it's a test. Test? My God, testing Abraham. Except that failed. Because I changed what I saw. We're going to talk a little bit more about, like, this whole thing about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. They talk about, uh, in this one part of, of the flashbacks, they talk about this specific story in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And they're very clearly referencing what happened, what he's doing with Charlie in the island storyline. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that is about that story is the fact that, you know, God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. But like once he gets up there, he's like, okay, it don't actually do that. Like it was a test and you weren't supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, you guys. So we have a uh, clip from Claire who was in the Flashes Before Your Eyes episode doing another, I can't remember what her segment is called, but it's like, I think she calls it in the clip, Claire's Theology Corner or something <laughs> like that, which I think is sweet. Amazing. So she's going to talk a little bit more about that once we get to that point in the flashbacks. But I think what she says... Uh, is that like, you know, God would never have asked him to sacrifice his child. And that's something that he should have known. And so it was a test that like, yes, you were willing to do anything for God, but you were willing to do stuff that God wouldn't even want you to do. Right, right. And so he's being like, oh, I'm being tested. I'm being tested. and I'm failing my test. And I'm like, I don't think you are failing. No. If we're thinking about it in that way, you're specifically passing because you're not willing to do these sacrifices. Mm. Right. I thought it was interesting too because it's like looking at that the biblical story where it's like, you know, this was like even a test of faith and stuff too, which is also, you know, a major core part of lost and so it's like this idea of like do you have enough faith to go through with it or to know that it will be stopped because like part of the thing was like abraham and his son like he's supposed to be like the father of many nations so it's like well why would you why would you kill the only kid you have if that's supposed yeah. to be a promise that comes true and so yeah i love that i love the the biblical and the the connections the way that they do that on the show because they're always very very intuitive with that mm -hmm. so Jin and hurley find her um, so Jin was right. And she's hanging by her parachute from the tree, I believe. Desmond thinks that he killed Penny by saving Charlie. And Jin says in Korean, come quickly, I found it. Can you hear us? Hello, it's okay? <laughs> so he's be he he's being like, oh, are you okay? Can you hear me? We're here for you. Don't worry. I love him so much. I love him. <laughs> so Desmond climbs up the tree to save her. And this is like montaged with them meeting for the first time. I can't imagine. I can't remember. I mean, this was back in like 2010 when I first watched this. Mm -hmm. But like the moment where you're like, oh my God, it is Penny. Because they, they're montaging it so beautifully with this. Mm -hmm. And then when he takes off the thing, huge plot twist. It's straight up not her. <laughs> I don't even remember how I felt for the first time, but crazy. I think I was mostly mostly just shocked or confused. Yeah. Definitely confused. Like, who is this? Like, another new person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not only is this not Penny, but this is someone who we ha have literally never seen. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. Right. So they drop the parachute and then they catch her in the parachute. Smart. 
Oh, they're so smart. They notice that she's moving. So Desmond is like rushing in, taking the helmet off. On Lostpedia, it said the parachutist is wearing a pressure demand oxygen mask as opposed to a continuous flow mask. I love smart people. Which would be the kind sure. released in airliners during emergencies. <laughs> pressure demand oxygen masks make an airtight seal and allow for flight at altitudes up to 50,000 feet. Dang. Okay. So I think he's like rushing in and like trying to take off her helmet and Charlie's like, oh my God, be careful. Don't give her like a neck injury. And he's like, shut up, Charlie. <laughs> and it's not Penny. It, it, it sure isn't. But she says his name too. And so like all the people are like, she doesn't look like the picture. <laughs> this, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's such a confusing moment. Like you think you're, you understand what is going on. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, mm, no, mm, never mind. You've lost me. And that's lost in a nutshell. Yeah. That was like one <laughs> sentence. Like, how how would you describe lost? You think you know what's going on, and no, you don't. Like, you don't. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention about the island storyline? Um, um, that's a great question. I just thought it was delightful, and there are a lot of moments where I really don't like Desmond this episode, but there are also a lot of moments where I really do, and I just think that's really special. It's just a great group of people. Like, I love I love the little, like, we just have, like, this amount of characters just off doing something for an episode, and I love when it's just a bunch of people that I enjoy seeing together. Yeah. So anytime... It's just a little adventure and it's not like, I mean, this one was a little bit more of a risk because we were like, is he going to let Charlie die? Yeah. But, um, you know, when it's just a little bit like silly sometimes too. I appreciate mm -hmm. those scenes and those moments yeah. sometimes the most. Like, I love that. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a tense episode building up because you're like, oh my God, is Desmond going to let Charlie die? Is he not? Mm -hmm. Like, what is he going to decide? But then in between all of that tension, you have like the moments of Jin telling his ghost story mm -hmm. and it's so beautiful and balanced and just, it always makes the story feel so human and I, that's why Lost is just the best. Absolutely. So before we move on to flashbacks, we're going to really talk quickly talk about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in, we can, in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash We do monthly donations over there and there are several really cool tiers that you can sign up for. Casey with a C, uh, you've heard me do this spiel enough times. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So I highly recommend becoming a patron. Always support small creators. Like just just do it. it it's good for your soul it's good for the creators it's good for everyone the affectionados has a bunch of really cool tiers a bunch of really cool perks like for as low as a dollar a month you can get early access to all the podcasts including this one which since this podcast isn't a weekly podcast robin has like a lot more time to edit it so she can get it out to patreon sponsors faster which means that sometimes you get it like a week in advance it's it's crazy and it's so worth it and if you do the two dollars a month you get access to the affectionados discord server which mm -hmm. is a really fun place where listeners of all the affectionados podcasts come and talk and nerd out and talk about the shows but also talk about other things and it's really fun and i highly recommend it the next tier is the five dollar tier if you do five dollars or more a month you get all of those other things and a something that ten, i'm forgetting ten percent ten percent off at shoppylux.com which is where robin and Brittany, co-host of the other podcasts and former co-host of this one uh it's, <laughs> it's where they uh they sell their wares 
a bunch of really cool things stickers and embroidery and pins and uh yeah it's super worth it so even if you can't support the aficionados on patreon uh check out shopylux.com because that's a really cool place to monetarily support robin and Brittany's adventures and my personal favorite tier oh personal favorite tier also my personal favorite tier the ten dollar uh tier if you donate ten dollars or more a month you get all the other perks as well as exclusive access to an exclusive Patreon-only podcast called OK Love You High. It is absolutely delightful. It's where Rob and Brittany and Sam just sit around talking about whatever the heck they want or whatever the heck you want. I gave them a suggestion and they did it. They talked about it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's super worth it just for that. Uh, Yeah, that's Patreon. Check it out. Yeah, if you can't do Patreon, if you can't do shoppylux.com, just recommend us to a friend. That would be great. Yeah, and if you don't have friends, uh, just tweet to random people. Like, hey, I I see. Yeah, if if you don't have friends, whoever else listens to this podcast will be your friend it's true so what you know what's smart join the discord server you got a lot of friends there oh it's true great group <laughs> yeah. of people so now we're gonna go into the flashbacks and casey with a c did the summary for that one imagine if I, imagine if i was like casey with a k where's your summary she's <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't get the assignment I'd be like oh maybe flashback in time and desmond's yeah. there that's that's what you get i mean that's basically yeah. it uh, right there's some you're like shoot she took it <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. Well, never mind then. (laughs) Dang, how, like, are you looking at my notes app? That's exactly (laughs) what I have. (laughs) All right. In the flashbacks, we see Desmond at a monastery in Scotland, and he's just completed a vow of silence and is now officially a monk, I guess. Interesting career choice, but you do you, Des. His mentor, Brother Campbell, says he doubted Desmond's ability, but he is now one of them and welcomes him to the monastery. Like, thanks, dude. (laughs) Like, (laughs) thank you. We later see Desmond and Brother Campbell working in the monastery's wine cellar where they produce a wine under the name Mariah Vineyards. Desmond questions the name, saying it's an odd choice given that Mariah is the place where Abraham was asked to kill his son Isaac in the Bible. Brother Campbell notes that this was a test for Abraham and Isaac was spared by God in the end. He suggests that Desmond underestimates the value of sacrifice. Out of nowhere, a random man comes into the cellar and like punches Desmond right in the schnoz and just like leaves. (laughs) Turns out the man's name is Derek and his sister Ruth is an ex of Desmond's. Desmond and his bandaged-up nose go to Ruth's house, and we learn that Desmond fully abandoned Ruth just a week before they were supposed to be married? What? (laughs) First, we're hearing of it, but okay. And last. (laughs) And last. (laughs) Sorry, spoilers. Uh, This will not come come up again. Guess Desmond has always had an issue with cowardice. Desmond's defense is that he woke up in the street after a night of drinking and, like, was helped up by a monk, and in that moment, Desmond knew it was his calling to go with him i don't know ruth calls bs rightfully so and says that next time he wants to break up with someone he doesn't have to go join a monastery uh he could just admit that he's too much of a coward late that night we see desmond drinking away his sorrows alone in the cellar and is joined by brother campbell telling desmond that he is beyond penance brother campbell fires desmond from the monastery turns out even monks don't get job security the next morning desmond turns in his robe and says goodbye brother campbell knows that there is a better path for desmond and he hopes he finds it in exchange for a ride to town desmond helps load crates of wine into a customer's car and it turns out the customer is penny the two of them instantly hit it off and start joking with each other and it's clear that there is something special between them the end beautiful yeah so desmond became a monk i guess sure i love this because they this is them explaining why desmond says brother so much um which is like his main thing and (laughs) 
I wonder, and I'm honestly leaning towards yes because of the way I know these writers, but I wonder if in the season two premiere when they first introduced Desmond and he first said brother that they knew that this was his backstory I feel like they would have had to yeah if not that's really impressive yeah they were like how do we make this make sense? work to be like why do we have him say brother all the time yeah oh monastery like, I mean it's a yeah. very specific word choice like it's not just like mate or bud yeah. or whatever else like that's a very specific word choice or old sport yeah <laughs> 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 Yeah. yeah, I like that though. Like, like either way, it's impressive if they mm-hmm. knew that much in advance, or if this is just them um, piecing things together. It's great. I like that they were like, okay, uh, an interesting thing is asking ourselves why Desmond says brother, and not interesting thing is where Jack got his tattoos. You know, like we need to pick our battles. <laughs> right, right. And, and this one was picked both battles. Yeah. <laughs> So he's doing his vow of silence and he's done. And I think it's so funny that Brother Campbell straight up comes in here and is like, hey, I'm going to spend this whole episode dunking on you. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> he's like, I didn't think you could do it, but I guess you're one of us now. I love that he says one of us. One of us. Yeah. And he's like, sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it's, it takes a month. And I'm like, did they say how long Desmond had been doing his? No. I was wondering that too. Like, I was like, are they going to say? I was like, I wonder if it was like way longer than usual because they didn't think he could do it. He just hasn't talked for a long time. I feel like it's maybe implied that he like did a full month, but also like maybe yeah. he did longer. I don't know. Yeah. I also I like either. the idea like he has to just be like silent he can't speak to anyone and then you know you cut to the island a few years later and he's alone in a hatch on the ground also unable to speak to anybody right and he didn't go insane because he had had this practice maybe Maybe. i mean you know i feel like at least in the first place it's like yeah it's bad he can't talk to anyone but at least there's people there and you could talk if you wanted to i mean there's people if you really decided like you were done with it and you're not stuck on an island so it's a little easier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the next time around's a little more difficult, but he, he has practice. I just think that I would forget. I would forget and I would talk by accident. Like he's, you know, he's reading his book and he's like mouthing it to himself. And I'm like, there's no way I would not accidentally like mumble something. Right? 100%. Like, all the time when I'm walking and I just, like, bump my elbow on a door or something, even if it doesn't hurt, I'm like, ow. (laughs) It comes out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I would screw up day one. Like, day one, I'd be like, oh, shoot, shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Can we start over? (laughs) Guess I'm not cut out to be a monk. (laughs) Yeah, can I start over? Brother Campbell's like, you're fired. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) On Lostpedia, it was pointed out that Desmond is the second person on the island shown to have taken a vow of silence because Mr. Echo also did for 48 days which is potentially even longer that or no i guess he didn't do it for the full 48 days but he did it for a while i wonder it seems like he made might have done it for just as long as desmond yeah i feel like uh he probably did it better yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just I, I don't know if you're gonna compare the two i mean it's like superman yeah. and the flash mr echo and right so true yeah desmond who did the better vow of silence I'm... you know what they should do they should do a vow of silence for charity they should <laughs> Um, my money will be on Echo, thank you. Yeah, true. Because he can't talk anymore. Ah. Uh, well. Yeah. Because his, his vow of silence is everlasting. And he uh, did a really I... good job. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. 
It was also pointed out on Lostpedia <laughs> that Brother Campbell's uh, name might be an allusion to George Campbell. Oh. Um, he was also a philosopher whose work was initially influenced by David Hume, which is who Desmond is named after. Oh. Um, on Wikipedia, it said Campbell's first major publication, A Dissertation in Miracles, which came out in 1762, was directed against David Hume's attack on miracles <laughs> in an inquiry concerning human understanding. Campbell was influenced by Hume, but took particular issue with his philosophical strictures. So it makes sense that they maybe named him Campbell because Campbell was sort of like against interesting I love smart people so much oh right like my whole brain was just like Campbell soup Campbell soup <laughs> yeah I knew that's one of my friends's last name is Campbell really oh my gosh and so. she always was just like oh how do you spell it like the soup <laughs> good for her oh no she could be like like the guy against David Hume. Yeah. You know, just like that guy. <laughs> Everyone knows him. They'd be like, that does not help me spell it. <laughs> <laughs> so Desmond is done with his vow of silence. He and Brother Campbell are working on the wine stuff. And he's like, hey, dude, like, talk if you want, bro. Because, like, your thing's done. And <laughs> Desmond's like, I got nothing to say. I'm used to being quiet. So... <laughs> Honestly, I support him in that moment because I, I mean, I'm a talkative person on like a podcast, but I'm very much a person who I tend to just like zone out and absorb information and not really like say much. And sometimes when I'm in conversations with people, they're like, Casey, do you have thoughts? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I do. They're just in my head. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything worth saying right now, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So just related to that moment. So the vineyards that they are at are called Mariah Vineyards. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon 1995, which was the year that I was born. And this is just like another fantastic way to tell us what year it is. Like, thank you so much. It's so creative. Instead of being like, ah, yes, here we are. Oh, in 1992, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like other shows are like, ah, yes, 2003. You know, I just think it's so they, they're so good at being like, here is exactly where we are. So on Lostpedia, it said basically um, on I, I've said this recently, but on our Stranger Things podcast, we have a, a segment called uh, actually in which like I go on IMDb and people have put in the most nitpicky problems with Stranger Things of all time. <laughs> Um, and so this is the uh, actually of this episode. It's delightful. And there, there's a second one as well. But uh, the vintage of the wine bottles and Ruth's mention of Celtic winning the cup date this flashback to 1995 or later where he first meets Penny. Desmond's later flashback where he breaks up with Penny takes place in 1996. Normally, wine is dated based on the date of the grape harvest and Cabernet Sauvignon is usually aged in barrels for years before being released. So the date on the bottle is likely a production error meant to show the date of the flashback and not a realistic vintage date. Furthermore, the flashback should have taken place in 1994 because in Flashes Before Your Eyes in a conversation that occurred in 1996, Desmond says to Mr. Widmore that he and Penelope have been together for two years. Uh, maybe this is the beginning of 1995 and maybe that conversation happened at the end of 1996 <laughs> i'm gonna go with that yeah sure. people like i love you know smart people but sometimes they're a little too smart yeah yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like we gotta put a cap much, on yeah. that thanks <laughs> <laughs> be smart but like relax if it's yeah. if it's years that's a little I don't I don't pay attention to that that much. Right. Like I appreciate the effort that goes into it because you can place things where they are supposed to go. I feel like Desmond, you need that a lot just because like there's so many things that happen in his life. You're like he's in jail now and now he's not. <laughs> yeah. And now he's at right. a monastery. Like he, there's so many things that go on with Desmond that it's like he's a little harder to keep track of than some of the yeah. other characters. Yeah. But even in that regard, I'm like, I, I don't need to know exact year. Just tell me it's before or after and like we'll be fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
So it's a limited production of 500 bottles, and it's also in Eddington, Scotland. And here's the other, uh, actually, there are no commercial vineyards in Scotland. (laughs) The Scottish climate is too cold to grow grapes, particularly a variety like Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a later ripening grape. I mean, idiots. I feel like that's kind of an oversight. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there are no commercial vineyards in Scotland. Are you crazy? And that's why I hate Lost. Yeah. We always get these things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so unrealistic. Ugh. Forget the polar bear. There's no commercial vineyards in Scotland. <laughs> it's just, I can't believe it, you know? Yeah. So Desmond's like, oh, what an interesting name. Why do we choose that? And we have, like, more of, like, this biblical talk that I sort of talked about a little bit. Mariah. I find the name... The brothers have chosen for the wine made here. Interesting. And why is that, brother? Well, Mariah is a mountain where Abram was asked to kill Isaac. It's not exactly the most festive locale, is it? And yet God spared Isaac. Well, one might argue that God need not have asked Abram to sacrifice his son in the first place. Well, then it wouldn't have been much of a test, would it, brother? We have a lovely clip from our friend Claire, uh, at Claire Willett. If you'd like to follow her, I'm going to put it in the description too. But it is Claire's Theology Corner. And she so graciously recorded a clip for me talking about this uh, part of the episode and this uh, story in the Bible that they're talking about. So I'm going to throw it over to Claire. Hello, uh, it's your old friend Claire back with another Claire's Theology Corner. Today we're talking about Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah as part of the uh, Desmond flashback storyline. So if you're not like super Bible fluent, uh, I'll sort of summarize the story very briefly. But this is from the book of Genesis. And Abraham is kind of the one of the protagonists of the book of Genesis. He's has at this point in the narrative has a very close relationship, close personal relationship with God. He's married to a woman named Sarah. He's a son named Isaac. And one day God calls him and basically says, hey, Abraham, take your son Isaac up to Mount Moriah to the place of sacrifice where they usually sacrifice like lambs and stuff um, and sacrifice your son to me. And so Abraham does it and he packs up his son and doesn't tell him what's going on, walks him up the mountain, builds a sacrificial pyre, draws his knife and is just about to kill his son when an angel calls to him and says, stop, you don't have to do it. This was a test and you passed it. And, you know, you've proven your loyalty to me and your willingness to sacrifice and uh, and you will be showered with blessings forevermore. And the and then then the way it comes up in the sort of when it's first mentioned in the episode in the conversation um, about the wine labels between Desmond and the senior monk is sort of very much about like the moral of this story is the virtue of sacrifice, right? Like you have to be willing to give up the thing that is the most important to you in order for the good things to come. And and growing up Catholic, that was, I think in, in some ways, like that was sort of always kind of how I learned it, although it it never really sat right with me. It is it is hard it's hard to square that interpretation of God's behavior with any sense that God is like at all kind or just because it's just 
like you just can't get away from the fact that it is an unspeakably horrible thing to ask somebody to do to kill their child for sort of a thought exercise. And and so a lot of Christian teaching, you know, which is very much predicated upon like when God tells you to do something, you do it. A lot of how I grew up hearing this story talked about, like when it was read at mass and stuff was like very metaphorical, like you know, this is sort of foreshadowing how later in the second half of the Bible, you know, God will sacrifice his only son, Jesus, for our sins. And it's sort of like completing this covenant that was begun with Abraham and Isaac. But it's not a very, that's not a very sort of human story. That's a sort of like, this is what it means thematically, but that doesn't really tell you much about like how Abraham and Isaac would have felt in that moment. It doesn't give you much to go on in terms of how it sort of slots into the story that that is, you know, that it's telling on this show. And uh, so what I did instead, because I was like, well, my Catholicism will be useless here. So I decided to talk to some Jewish folks because this is a really significant story uh, to among the Jewish um, faith. It's a story that I believe is read on Rosh Hashanah. Um, Abraham, like I said, is a really incredibly significant figure. And so I, I did a little bit of research on my own, but I also talked to my friend Q, who recently went through the process of converting to Judaism, just, I mean, just completed, like, I think earlier this year. And uh, and the story of Abraham and, and kind of Abraham's relationship with God is one that that for them was really like sort of personally, spiritually important and impactful. And so we had a really interesting conversation. And the Jewish approach to this is both completely different from sort of what I learned about this in Catholic school. And also, I think, a way more interesting entry point into how it fits into Desmond's story. And uh, and so sort of with a caveat that, you know, Q would want me to remind everyone that you know, they do not speak on behalf of all Jewish people. Obviously, these things are, you know, like continually discussed and debated and everything has many interpretations. But that their kind of take on it was like that the the moral of the story is not that you should be ready at a moment's notice to kill your kid if God asks you to. That the moral of the story is actually Abraham failed this test by not by by conceding to its premise in the first place. That that what Abraham was supposed to do was to argue with God and to say no and to fight back because human sacrifice was not part of the teachings of Judaism. So there were a lot of religions that existed at that time in that part of the world that did practice human sacrifice and Judaism was not one of them. And so, you know, in Q's interpretation was the idea is sort of like what what God is testing is Abraham's adherence to the tenets of the religion, to the things that they've agreed upon and the covenant that has been, you know, sort of hammered out between the people of God and God. And uh, and human sacrifice is not part of that covenant. And so and there are a lot of stories, including stories involving Abraham specifically, where where the point of the story is a is a human being arguing with God or wrestling with God or, you know, God gives some edict and you don't just go along with it. Like the um, earlier in Genesis, there's a story of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God basically says like, you know, the city is wicked and evil and I'm going to smite it and destroy it. 
homophobes will tell you that this is because there was homosexuality happening. That is not actually the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's about failure of hospitality, but that's a separate theology corner. But anyway, but so he's going to smite the whole city. And Abraham goes, well, okay, but what if I could find 50 good people in this city? Then would you spare it? And God's like, well, okay, yeah, like for 50 people, sure, I'll spare the city. And then Abraham's like, okay, well, what about if I found 45? And God's like, okay, sure. And then Abraham kind of keeps bargaining him down like a reverse auctioneer until basically he's like, okay, but if there's one good person in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and you and you smote it and you destroyed it and you killed an innocent person, then essentially, like, wouldn't you, God, be the asshole in that story? And so you probably shouldn't do it. And then God's like, you're right, and spares the city. But the point of the story is the process of this sort of back and forth of like a human being arguing with God on behalf of other human beings. And so one of the interesting things about Abraham is that there are times where he does that. There are times where he is willing to just like roll up his sleeves and dig in and be like, no, God, you're wrong. And here's why. And like lawyer him. And then in this story, he doesn't. In this story, he's asked to kill his son and he sort of just goes along with it and and is and has to be told to stop, but he's ready to do it. You know, the knife is out in his hand. And, and so you can sort of ask yourself like, okay, well, why are you willing to defend all these people that you don't know? But then when it's like the most important person in your life, your child, you're ready to pull that knife out and you know and that's kind of ambiguous you know maybe it's that he sort of feels like he's not allowed to like ask for those things for himself or maybe he thinks like well this is such a monumental sacrifice that god wouldn't ask me unless it was really important you know like i don't like i think there's a lot of different ways to interpret that but the point is that like that to in my in my understanding is that part of what judaism is teaching sort of in in how these two stories are equally important is that like sometimes the answer is you have to submit to God's will even when you don't fully understand it. And sometimes the answer is the test is that you don't go along with it and you have and you're what you're supposed to do is to push back is to like argue with God or you know, put your own stamp on the world or, you know, like Jacob wrestling with the angel and, and that the covenant between God and the people is a two way street. You know, the people have to hold up their end, but God has to hold up God's end of the covenant too. And asking Abraham to sacrifice his son is, is unfair, is sort of outside the bounds of that covenant. So what I think is interesting about this in terms of how it impacts Desmond's story is that I think Flashback Desmond has sort of a concept of sacrifice without really having actually made any sacrifices. You know, he's he's a fundamentally cowardly person who does a lot of running away from things when they get too hard, but he tells himself that he's sacrificing something. He tells himself that the things that he's doing are noble. And I think some of the stuff that comes up in the conversations that he has with the senior monk sort of feed into that a little bit. And, you know, like he... he runs away, you know, he runs away from Ruth to join a monastery, and then he runs away to be a soldier, and then he's with Penny, and he pushes Penny away, and you know, so my kind of interpretation of Desmond a little bit is that, like, the first real sacrifice that he makes in his life is when he, you know, when he has to go back through, like, relive in Flashes Before Your Eyes, like, relive that moment where he ended his relationship with 
penny now knowing with like three years of foreknowledge like what it'll cost him and how much he's going to suffer and how long they're going to be apart and he doesn't ever really know if they're going to be back together again and it's the biggest mistake that he's ever made and he wishes he could just erase it but he knows that he can't because he has to get to the island and and so that conscious knowing of like I want this so badly, but for the greater good, I have to make the painful choice. Like that's a real meaningful sacrifice in a way that breaking up with poor sweet Ruth by moving into a monastery and cutting off all contact instead of just telling her, I don't want to be married to you. You know, it really is not. And and so I think, you know, maybe the way to sort of look at the relevance of this story of Abraham and Isaac kind of in how in the role it plays in Desmond's story in this episode in particular is about that tension between like, what are the times in which Desmond sort of yields to the will of the visions, essentially, or yields to the kind of exterior supernatural forces of the island pushing him in different directions or showing him things or telling him what to do. And what are the times where he fights back against it? Which he does in this episode where we see that, you know, we see the sort of flashbacks to all of the times that he has tried to kind of subvert the visions to save Charlie. This time, he's willing to walk up the mountain with him. He's willing to go almost there. He's convinced himself he's going to go through with it because he thinks that letting this vision play out, letting Charlie die, that there is a possibility of finding Penny at the end of it, and that's worth it to him, he thinks, as they're walking up the mountain or, you know, through the jungle, but metaphorically. And Charlie doesn't have any idea, any more than Isaac did, like where they're going or what's potentially in store for him until they get there. But I think the crucial thing is that in that moment, like when they get there, when you see Charlie step on the wire and Desmond turns and he sees the arrow, that in that moment, he's, he cannot go through with it. Even if it changes the image and even if it potentially makes it so that you know, maybe he never finds Penny or it changes the story with Penny in some significant way and he loses her again, just in that moment, he can't let his friend die, you know? And so I think that that, that kind of 11th hour, like last minute pause in both of those stories to so the thing that sort of like, you know, stops you from doing it just as you're about to do it. I think that's really interesting too. And I think, you know, because that is a place where that, that it becomes now that this is another one of the visions that Desmond imposes his own will over the islands and refuses to let the vision come true and kill Charlie. And so I think, you know, maybe, and maybe something to, you guys can discuss more in the spoiler section is sort of about the kind of the continuation of this pattern, you know, like where, where are the places where, where Desmond and others around him are sort of like yielding to the will of these visions and where the places where they're like, hell no, I'm not going to let it happen like that. We're going to find some way around it. And I think there are other aspects of kind of the island controlling the ways that the island attempts to control people's lives to sort of move the chess pieces around um, in these people's lives where the same thing happens, where sometimes people yield to it and sometimes they're resistant to it. Um, and so, so to me, so I think just in terms of, I mean, both kind of theologically and also as a way to look at the story, I think the Jewish way of looking at it is way more interesting <laughs> than the Christian one. So, uh, yeah, so lots to discuss there. Talk amongst yourselves. So, uh, yeah, um, thanks again for joining me for another Claire's Theology Corner. And I will talk to you all soon. 
And that was Claire's Theology Corner. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much, Claire. You truly are an actual visionary. It's so funny just because, like, when I was watching it, I was like, I have no idea what any of this means, but I know someone who does. <laughs> yeah, and same with me, and that's why I was like, time to call my friend Claire. <laughs> I am so lucky that she continues to, to do these for me. <laughs> She's the best. And so he's talking about how like, oh, you don't understand the value of sacrifice. And obviously he's trying to sacrifice Charlie's life on the island. It really goes in with that part of the island storyline. But then I think he realizes that he can't make that decision for someone else. And that like, if Charlie is going to die, I think he needs to tell him and Charlie will make the decision if that's how he wants to go or not. Mm. It's uh, it just the way it all loops in together, like the story of Abraham and Isaac and like the way it all wraps into Desmond's story with Charlie. It's so, it's just masterful Mm -hmm. i forgot to mention my favorite part of the clip Uh, i'm the only one who's heard it uh so far by the way but um my favorite part of the clip is when she uh says that abraham would tell god that he's the one who's being the asshole (laughs) i just love the way that she fully lays it out in layman's terms and i just appreciate that so much that is what we need she's like hey listen god you're gonna be the asshole if you (laughs) it was good (laughs) So another guy comes in and he's like, hey, some dude wants to talk to you. And he's like, hello, Desmond. It's nice to flap. Boom. And he just punches Desmond, says sorry and leaves and does like the sign of the cross because he like just sinned in this monastery, I guess. And is like, hey, sorry, Brother Campbell. Bye. (laughs) And then like if I was Desmond, I'd be like, sorry, him. And then Desmond asks like for forgiveness. Like what? I'm confused. You're the one who just got bonked in the schnoz. Yeah. He's like, hey, sorry of all of the decisions that I've made in the past that led up to that guy coming to punch me in the face. But I'm also like, has it not? It's been definitely at least over a month. How did Derek find out that he was here? Uh, You know, like how, why did it take Derek so long to figure out where he was? I don't know. I guess he's just really involved in like monk affairs and saw that yeah. like a press release that said Desmond Hume, new monk. Yeah, right. Come come visit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. So Desmond goes to see Derek and Ruth, who I guess live together. Sure. I'm like, is that are, is that their parents' house that they live in? Or do they just live together as siblings? I don't have the answer because this is the first and only time we hear about him. <laughs> yeah, true. And, you know, Desmond is going to go see Ruth. And I don't know if he expects to see Derek there. So maybe they don't live together. And Derek just happens to be there because he's like, hey, I punched him. <laughs> mm, probably knew he'd be coming on by. Came over to tell you that I punched him. Their house number is 234, which is 23 and 4. Amazing. Derek is super pissed, but Ruth is going to hear Desmond out. And you can see that it's it's a very religious house, which I think is really interesting that they did this set decoration with all of these crosses in it. And so then when he's like, hey, I went to go do religious stuff, she's like, shut up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I just think it's interesting that she's like clearly a very religious person. And when he's like, oh, religion called called me. She was like, no, it didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if there's anyone to put him in his place in that moment, it's, like, someone who understands, like, what it means to actually have a, a quote-unquote, religious experience or, like, Mm -hmm. a calling. Yeah, and that's telling, I feel. Yeah. The way she's just fully, like, uh, no, that's, that's a load of crap. Yeah. And so he comes and says, like, I want to explain now that my initiation is over. She's like, you left one week before the wedding. Like, how would you even explain that? We lost so much money. That is so... 
so terrible. <laughs> and we know that Desmond is not very rich, right? Because he's like right. constantly, uh, to his embarrassment, but not to Penny's, like kind of mooching off Penny, moving into her flat, doing all these things, right? And of course, that's embarrassing for him. He doesn't like it. Penny doesn't mind. But like, so that tells me that like Ruth and her family with this nice house all paid for all these things. And they're the ones that lost the money. So when Desmond went and like bounced off to this monastery, he didn't even have any any chips on the table you know yeah it's it's so bad and i kind of i can't believe that this is the only time we hear about her like yeah that's horrible leaving your fiance a week before the wedding ah and apparently they dated for six years and this is the only time we hear about her like i guess i'm like oh that's romantic because penny was the only thing for him forever you know like after that it was penny forever only but i'm also like if i was ruth i'd be like did i mean anything right that's a significant amount of time even to be dating for six yeah. years like dating for six years mm-hmm. that's a long time like that, that in itself was probably a bit of a flag and then the fact it's just one week before like oh desmond yeah not not great not no. great. i just feel like if i was her i'd be like uh like if you can see him getting cold feet i would say something before a week you know what i mean because you feel like you'd have had to have seen it right like yeah the way he is like she'd know if you guys are engaged you probably share a bed yeah yeah i wonder if desmond lived in this house hmm I don't know. It's a good question. But she's like, the only time I saw you have like a religious experience was when you watched that soccer game and your team won, which I also think is very interesting seeing how religious religious she is, that she was like, and you are not a religious person and I was going to marry you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of big. It said on Lostpedia, according to Ruth, the closest Desmond had come to religion until he disappeared was Celtic winning the cup. The cup win Ruth refers to occurred on May 27th, 1995. Celtic hadn't won the cup since 1989. Significantly, Celtic is supported by the Catholic community of Glasgow. The Protestant team is Glasgow Rangers. So uh. so it's like, this must have been 1989, which would have been the beginning of their relationship because it was six years ago. Right. Because May 27th, 1995, we're in 1995. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been too soon too recent anyway it doesn't matter but it's interesting that they started that's when they started dating was way back in 1989 mm-hmm. so when desmond gets drunk later he's singing the theme song for the celtic football team <laughs> we love parallels callbacks whatever <laughs> yeah because she had yeah. just brought it up i guess yeah so he's like oh i got scared i got drunk i lost my memory i woke up and there was a monk who like offered to help me and so i knew i had to go go with him and then Ruth, in an absolutely baller power move, is like, well, good thing a shepherd didn't help you or else you'd be off with the sheep. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter that it was a monk. It could have been a homeless man and you would have still gone with him. And you would have still gone. Like, anything, it could have been anything and you would have been like, this is my calling. I also sat there and I was like, shepherd. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I mean, Des- Desmond's the one that helped helped a shepherd up, really. If you mm-hmm. want to look at it that way. Oh my God, that's so literally. <laughs> but I also like, I can't help but imagine like Desmond off in, it's it's not that he's also shepherding the sheep. In my mind, he is one of the sheep and he's like wearing sheep wool <laughs> and is on all fours. Like that's what I see in my head. <laughs> like come on join so she's like next time you want to break up with somebody just tell them you don't have to waste your own time waste your own money and just lie for months Mm -hmm. you know it's not that deep just be honest and i know it's scary but that's what you have to do yeah and when i woke up i was lying on my back in the street and i don't know how i got there and there was this man standing over me ruth 
And he reached out his hand and he said to me, can I help you, brother? And the first thing I noticed was the rope tied around his waist and I looked at him and I knew, I knew I was supposed to go with him. I was supposed to leave everything that mattered behind, sacrifice all of it for a greater calling. Well, it's a good thing a bloody shepherd didn't help you up. Or I suppose you'd be off with the sheep, wouldn't you? Next time you want to break up with someone, Des, don't join a monastery. Just tell the girl you're too bloody scared. And that's where his fault always comes into play is he's too afraid of, you know, hurting someone's feelings to be honest, but he doesn't realize that he's doing way more damage by just abandoning these people or just running away. And when he breaks up with Penny, he finally does just tell her that he is like breaking up with her, but he's still a coward about it. Right, right. Because it's like there was no like indication that he wasn't like happy in his relationship before that. Like that's kind of what Ruth is trying to say, I think, is like you literally got up and left out of nowhere and that was a really crappy thing to do. Like next time you want to pull that on someone, own up to your feelings and like don't just wait until the very last minute and then run away because you're too afraid of the consequences. Right, right. So Desmond goes back to the monastery, gets drunk and is singing. Um, and Brother Campbell's like, sup? Uh, he's like, hey, that's over like 100 pounds. Uh, we only made 108 cases, which of course, 108. But it said on Laspedia, while Brother Campbell claims production is limited to 108 cases a year, this contradicts what is written on the bottle, which states a limited production of 500 bottles. 500 is just under 42 cases, which is much less than that claimed by Campbell. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, but also 42. Nice. <laughs> so he's like, hey, uh, we made a vow and we're going against it. Um, like literally as soon as you finish your initiation, I, like I guess I was right about you. And Desmond's like, I guess. Like I'm like, <laughs> if you were able to go through like a month of this very difficult initiation and then like one conversation with somebody who you have wronged has completely pushed you over the edge. It's what? like, what were you doing? What were you doing yeah. during all that time? Right. <laughs> Weren't you supposed to be building up? Especially because it's like, and yeah. it's like supposed to be repenting too, right? At least like, isn't that part of it? I mean, like mm-hmm. letting go of these things that have bogged you down in the past, asking for yeah. forgiveness for those things. And he's like so easily taken out just by being reminded of it and having to face it again. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, Desmond. Bro yeah. didn't learn very much. No. So he like gives him back like the half drunk ball and he's like, I'm sorry. And he like gives it back. Like, hopefully you can sell this. I don't know. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I can totally still be a monk, though. And he's like, no. <laughs> and, and he immediately stops calling him brother. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I heard the call. And he's like, okay, well. Time to hear a different one. Maybe you were supposed to be here, but hear my call. Get out. <laughs> he's like, God has bigger plans for you. And he brings up the fact that you have spent too much time running away to look at what you're run- running towards, which of course is like maybe how Desmond got the idea for like his iconic line in the um, season two finale of oh, uh, Desmond, what are you running from? I have to get my honor back and that's what I'm running to. Mm-hmm. 
So he's like, okay, what do I do now? And he's like, whatever comes next. And of course, literally the next day he gets that answer. Yeah. Honestly, I think Brother Campbell is like being so much like kinder and more generous to Desmond than he deserves in that moment. Like, Mm. but I think he honestly cares for him and honestly Mm. believes that there's a better path for him. And I would have liked to see him more. He seems like a good dude. And he just like very much believes in Desmond and thinks that he's capable of like overcoming this tragic flaw of his of like mm-hmm. running away and and being a coward and it's interesting because on lostpedia it was brought up like the whole story of desmond saying it was his call and it was like his calling and this conversation with campbell brings up fate versus free will again is that uh, desmond's like it was my fate to be here and brother campbell's like but it doesn't have to be right and i feel like that's kind of like a unique perspective for like a very religious person mm-hmm. like someone who kind of thinks that like things are are set in stone or are the way that they're supposed to be because of like a higher power or whatever. But for him to say like, no, maybe you were meant to be here, but you weren't meant to last here. Mm-hmm. I just think that's kind of unique. I don't know. Yeah, I like that two different religious people this episode, Ruth and Brother Campbell, aren't necessarily saying, no, that call isn't real, but are both kind of saying whatever call you had wasn't like whatever call you had either wasn't real or wasn't or like was important but wasn't eternity for you. Right. Or like you weren't listening for the right thing or you took mm. away the wrong message or or whatever. Right. You should have gone with the shepherd and lived with the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That would have been funnier. Yeah. <laughs> this idea too of like this call where it's like, you know, whatever it could have been like, like, yeah, maybe it wasn't something like he really saw maybe the full picture of. Mm-hmm. So even in that, like, obviously this was something he was supposed to be there because that's how he found Penny, right? So like- Exactly, yeah. Even going back to like the island stuff of it all it's like you might see something even in his flashes but it's not like he's seeing everything he doesn't know what that all is supposed to lead to it doesn't mean it's not supposed to happen or that things aren't supposed to work together in one way or another but it's really is interesting the way they kind of parallel that too just to really show like you know it could be a calling it could be a flash it's whatever you know it might look like for him but it's not necessarily the way that it's like pictured as being yeah for sure So the next day, Desmond brings his clothes back to Brother Campbell. And all right, here we go, you guys. There is a picture (laughs) on Brother Campbell's desk of him and Eloise. There sure is. I remember the moment I saw this watching this the first time. I freaked out and texted you. I was like, that's Eloise. It is so, so terribly Photoshopped. (laughs) It's so bad. Like, I don't know who did this, but it's horrible. It is awful. The things that it are telling us, which is interesting, it's telling us these things, that it tells us that Eloise is a real person and not just like a figment that lives in Desmond's head because that's Mm -hmm. like a really important distinction that we needed to make. Mm -hmm. But did we need to make it in this way? Because that Photoshop job is so bad. It is. It's it's bad. It's bad. Like in canon, that makes me think that Brother Campbell photoshopped that himself. (laughs) He's just a really big Eloise fan. If he's going to put that on his desk, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's so bad. Like, one of the worst props on the show, I would say, this one. Easily. 
Mm-hmm. So he's like, Brother Martin's going to town if you need a ride. So just wait. And also, can you do these boxes? And he's like, sure. I have a feeling he's not going to be hanging out with Brother Martin. Mm, just a hunch. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Charles Widmore bought 10 cases, which if each bottle is like 100 pounds, crazy expensive. But we know Charles Widmore can swing it. He sure can. So they're putting it all in her car for her. Um, and I got to go on the Lost on Location tour when I was in Hawaii uh, several years ago. And we got to go to this courtyard and I turned the corner to go here and I immediately started bawling my eyes out. (laughs) You are so valid. So valid. Yeah, I was like, this is it. This is the courtyard. This is the most like adorable scene it just ever it's having seen so much of what has happened to them after that moment it feels like magic it does like watching this moment you know it's like we talk about fate we talk about free will this is the moment that feels like fate because we know how important they end up being to each other mm-hmm. it's like when we see in season two when we saw Jin and Sun meet for the first time oh, yeah. yes it's that's what's so fun about non-linear storytelling yeah because you already have that buildup of the relationship you already understand yeah. what these people mean to each other and to be able to go back in time and see the moment they met oh that is so special yeah and there's just something like in both of their eyes instantly like something just clicks and they know like oh you're you're different yeah and he's immediately taken with her fully that's so cute oh and her oh my god they're so cute and we want to talk about beautiful smiles i mean yeah oh oh just penny's smile warms my cold dead heart (laughs) i think it's so interesting the moment like the moments between this uh then we start getting the montage of desmond trying to like cut her down and everything and at this point when he starts putting her in the car he like looks at her and it's like it changes and immediately we've got our flirt on (laughs) yeah fully now we're flirting fully yeah so he's like you better drive safe like this is kind of a hot commodity we don't make a whole lot of these and she's like oh okay and he's like because the monks are lazy and she's like ha 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 you know what it's so and it's so funny looking at like how crappy (laughs) the flirting went between jack and kate this episode and like seeing this and i was like see desmond's got game this is flirting Mm -hmm. but i also feel so bad because you watch this and like you know how much they end up loving each other and how like important they are to each other but i also know how much he's going to hurt her Mm -hmm. and that hurts too yeah Yeah. but it makes them so much better in a way like as sad as it is like i really i love their story so much for the fact that like despite what they did to each other and like just kind of hurt especially that he inflicted like that didn't matter like it didn't really change anything for them and like Mm -hmm. i don't know they're just oh they were so good because we know that she like you know he says oh i hope she's still looking for me and we know that she is Mm -hmm. yeah like the the care is just always there no matter what so he says that he is an ex-monk as of last night because he was fired and she laughs but she's probably like oh a bad boy okay (laughs) (laughs) all right and so she's like laughing and he's like okay well it was really bad and uh i was really sad about it but okay and she's like oh my god sorry uh uh i didn't know they could be fired and he's like uh well i did and i guess it's just not where i'm meant to end up and she's like well i'm glad that you did because then we wouldn't have met and you couldn't help me unload these and he's like oh did i say that i was going to and she's like no but you will power move that was so cute iconic (laughs) she sizes him up so quickly Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm It's incredible. Amazing. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Well, maybe they're right. I mean, just think, if you hadn't got fired, we wouldn't have met. And then how could you possibly help me unload these crates in Carlisle? (laughs) Did I say I was coming to Carlisle with you? Not yet. 
I mean, of course, if an ex-monk already has plans, then... You know, I don't usually get in the cars with strangers. Well, in that case, I'm Penelope. Penny. Desmond. Very nice to meet you, Penny. So it just, it pointed out on Lostpedia that Desmond and Penny are talking about Carlisle, which is a city in the northwest of England near the Scottish border. And Carlisle, uh, spelled a little bit differently, but Carlisle was Boone's surname. R.I.P. Boone. <laughs> it all comes back Classic to Boone. Boone. Scott Hill, people. Scott Hill. Scott okay, not Hill. Boone Hill. <laughs> and then I realized that I used this scene for the top half of my Penny embroidery. So both from this episode. Aww. Interesting. Oh, that is so beautiful. Cute. So then lastly... Desmond's like, oh, I don't get in the car with strangers. And she's like, all right, let's not be strangers then. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Her- I do. N- I simply do not have the nerve that she does. No, they both had great game. Their back and forth is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, gonna go start picking up wine at uh, monasteries. Go find yeah. myself a Scotsman. See what happens. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe you'll find a fired monk. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna. If only there were, you know, wineries around. Obviously, they're not everywhere. You know. Yeah. If only there were commercial vineyards in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Does Jason Mendoza count as a as a fired monk? Oh, I you would. Know? I'd love to go meet Jason Mendoza as a yeah. fired monk. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he was never really, like, fired. Like, that's true. That's true. It was just death, you know? Just Just fake. (laughs) It was just death. (laughs) The former still stands, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not fired, but former. (laughs) Former (laughs) Jason Mendoza. R.I.P. Yeah. Go Jags. (laughs) So true. Bortles. (laughs) Bortles. (laughs) All right. Anyway, all right. Do you guys have any other thoughts on the on the flashbacks before we move on to our segments? Um, I don't. I love Desmond and Penny. So. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, co-signed. That those are my yeah. thoughts. Of every every single time you're like thoughts, I'm like I love them. Like that's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> those are my thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> they are very special to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So now we're gonna go into our segments. The first segment is our best line word, and I think I'm gonna choose one of. Uh, these other ones as a um, honorable mention. So uh, Casey with a K, which one are you choosing so that I don't steal it? Okay, I... If you want to do an honorable mention, you can too. So you could do like a funny one and a serious one. All right. So funny one, I love just Hurley saying, Ooch, Penny. She's a chick Desmond used to date. And now he thinks she fell from the sky. So we're going to go save her life and she's going to get us rescued. Dude, even if I spoke Korean, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> just because that's that's the show. Like, that's mm-hmm. really kind of how it is, especially just in the way it's all viewed in the original run-through of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense until you look back and you analyze it like <laughs> people like us. So I appreciate that one. And then the line that I liked that was a bit more on the serious side was Brother Campbell talking to Desmond saying, Perhaps you underestimate the value of sacrifice. Mm, yeah and really just that whole theme of sacrifice this episode like really kind of went back to that one and so i don't know i liked that as um you know sacrifice is something that desmond became very familiar with throughout the course of the show and at this point he really already kind of has but even just every character like so many of them have had to really sacrifice so many things and so there really is you know there proves to be a lot of value in that at the end of the day but i don't know i liked that quote for this one yeah okay casey with a c what what do you choose my best line award goes to sawyer for you need me to make your mixtape? Yeah, why don't you do that? 
<laughs> oh my god. I have a, um, it's currently a private playlist on Spotify called, uh, Need Me to Make You a Mixtape. Ooh. Maybe I'll consider making it public. I don't know. Um, but it's just, I would love to. It's it. just my skate feels playlist. Um, yeah. thank you. I feel like, you know, he's making it as a joke because it's like a, um, a tropey romantic thing to do. But if someone made me a mixtape, I would die. Fully. <laughs> it is romance i'd be like i have no way to play this in 2021 uh yeah <laughs> but i Thanks. appreciate it oh my god <gasps> wait when this podcast comes out is it <gasps> yeah it'll be 2022 oh it's gonna be 2022 maybe, maybe you'll have a way to play it in 2022 yeah maybe they'll bring it back yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> i don't know you guys tell me how 22 is 22 how 2022 is looking hopefully it's better than 2021 uh and then my favorite line of work was early for Thanks for the heads up about bringing an umbrella, dude. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and he says it's so deadpan, too. Amazing. He is so fair. And then so I fun. wanted to give an honorable mention to Sawyer for... What, my doorbell busted again? <laughs> <laughs> like, how does he just come up with that? <laughs> you don't have a doorbell? <laughs> you are so... What a funny guy. <laughs> funny guy he's got the jokes yeah i love it i love his like one-liners about his tent because i remember in like i think it was season yeah season one he uh charlie and kate try and like go and visit him or whatever and he's like off to the side and he goes trick or treat <laughs> <laughs> love it so our next segment is man of science man of faith and today we're talking about desmond so what do you guys think i think it's pretty clear but do you guys think desmond is more of a man of science or a man of faith this episode that is a man of faith if i have ever seen one absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely blind faith very yeah. blind faith very similar to Locke in that way i feel yeah Fox, man. um usually we would talk more about it but i think it's pretty freaking clear so i don't know if we need <laughs> they threw the man in a monastery like we have yeah <laughs> 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 stand on. so uh the next segment is hurley's walkman um desmond sings a song we talked about it they whistle a song we talked about it phil collins <laughs> i love it because in the uh in the google doc like it's fully exactly that and then phil collins just in all caps yeah i need to look up now what is on the best of phil collins i was like trying to look it up my dog wants to play with me and he wants to okay can you find a toy that is quiet (laughs) he's like no can you find a toy that doesn't make squeaks Mm -hmm. okay the best i just want to know what's on it album i just want to know if any of the tarzan soundtrack is on here (laughs) truly his best work the studio and in the air tonight incredible nice Yeah, in the air tonight that one's for kate <laughs> okay and now for sawyer's book corner we're going to talk about catch 22 which is the title and it is a book that we see in the episode so it is a book written by joseph heller it's set during world war ii and offers a satirical viewpoint on the absurdity of conflict the book mainly centers around captain yosarian or y- yosarian the novel is often considered one of the great literary works of the 20th century it is noted for its circular non-linear structure with flashbacks within flashbacks and no clear distinction of real-time events. Certain episodes, particularly one dealing with the death of a young tail gunner, are repeated several times throughout the novel, gaining greater detail with each repetition. In the novel, there's also a character with the name Nurse Duckett, and a character on Lost is named Frank Duckett. Also, the novel has 42 chapters. Basically, me doing this research onto this book made me put it on my to-read list because it looked so interesting. I love that. I tried to read it once, but I was like, this is this is intense 
Like I had a kick when I finished Lost. I was like, I'm going to read all the books. And I read hmm. um, Of Mice and Men and Carrie. That's about yeah. as far as I got because they're real short. And I was like, all right. <laughs> That's enough. You're like, well, this one's Juliet's favorite. So I got to get that done. Oh, uh, yeah, you get it. But there's Juliet and Sawyer's favorite books. It made sense. And then I was like, I'm, I don't need to read anymore. <laughs> one of these days. I'll go back. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of other like shared themes on the Lostpedia page for the book. If anyone wants to check that out, I've already spoken enough about it, I feel. But if you guys want to go and check out more, uh, you can. Did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. They did not do the thing this episode, but he does find a copy of the book. How many episodes since the last knockout? Two episodes because no one was knocked out. I'm not going to count the parachutists. Mm, mm-hmm. Should I? Uh, mm, uh... We didn't count Claire last episode because we decided that she was passing out instead of being knocked out with like blunt force trauma. Okay, then I'm going to say no. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to say And then lastly, does this episode pass the Bechdel test? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Not great. Uh, Not a lot of women. Not a lot of women. Uh, And they don't talk to each other. Yeah, but we do have one really awesome woman. And her name is Penelope Woodmore. And she's (laughs) a delight. Also, shout out to Ruth. You know, Ruth is kind of a badass. Yeah. Really put Desmond in his place. (laughs) Like a lot of people, I think a lot of Scottish people are like, that accent sucks. (laughs) And I'm like, that's fair, (laughs) I guess. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Sure would. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. And thank you so much to my roommate Emily for hanging out in her room while I recorded this podcast. We love Anyone it. else want to give a shout out? Uh, my parents are being a little more quiet than normal. Perfect. Not super quiet. I don't want to give a shout out to my dogs not being helpful. Oh, <laughs> he's doing his best. Little pigs. He, he did. He slept for like a lot of it. So. Oh, such a good boy. <laughs> such a good boy. If you are so inclined, write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That'd be great. That'd be great. If you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. Um, We did seasons four to seven as they were airing. Um, And now we're going back to do the good old days, me and Sam. Uh, we are currently in season three and we're going backwards to finish with season one. Good times. Season one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, good times. Season two incredible if you're a fan of Riverdale we talk about that show too we are putting out episodes as Riverdale is coming out and we are doing season six now oh my god we just passed the hundredth episode um oh my god so we have done a hundred episodes of that podcast too you don't have to watch Riverdale to listen to it most people don't you sure don't (laughs) Yeah. Uh, also, uh, lastly, we have an episode or a podcast for Stranger Things, like I said, and we currently have every single episode of Stranger Things uh, covered on that feed. So catch up before season four because we're going to do a special thing for season four when it comes out. Nice. Uh, you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, uh, mostly on Twitter, but Robin makes gifts of our favorite lines award, line, lines awards. Yeah, those line awards yeah. on Tumblr. Um, and they're really <laughs> sure great. So if you want to see Hurley talking about umbrellas in gift form, uh, Tumblr, go. place to go. I'll make it happen. Uh, like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive and you get a lot of really cool stuff if you join and we'd really appreciate it. You're the best. Thanks. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is C-A-S-E-Y watches TV. Uh, you know, <laughs> like the words. Um, yep. Or uh, follow me on... Um, 
pretty much everywhere at LF Candle Co., where I make some Phantom-inspired candles. Uh, thank you so much to the other Casey for joining us! Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Any time to talk about... Uh, the Casey energy. Honestly, we, we Impeccable. did it. Impeccable. Impeccable. <laughs> Happy to talk about Lost anytime. You're very good at it. Um, and where can we follow you? Remind us. Oh, yes. Um... Instagram, not Penny's Instagram. Twitter is at Illith Sternin. That's I-I-L-I-T-H Sternin, S-T-R-N-I-N. Yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me talking about TV shows and especially Lost. Highly recommend it. (laughs) Um, Our next episode is episode 318. It is called DOC and we're going to be having my friend Josh on. You can follow him at JoshCB. Me and Josh actively every week play D&D together. So I am very excited to hang out with Josh. He is delightful. You'll love him. I can't wait. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Gorgeous. We love it. Okay, spoilers. Okay, so first of all, um, in spoilers, I grabbed this from Lostpedia. Like most things, it said, another Catch-22 situation is found in the episode DOC, which is literally next episode. Sun is confronted with two possibilities. One, that her unborn child is fathered by Jay Lee before coming to the island, which would in turn ensure that she lived through the pregnancy. Or that the father is Jin, who she's grown to love all over again. But then the baby would have been conceived on the island, which means that uh, she and the baby both die. And so both situations have very damning consequences as well as silver linings, thus a catch-22. Wow. Literally and next episode. Amazing. They literally were like, if we name this episode Catch-22, we should have another one. It's so smart though, because it's like that one like follows this one where it's like, okay, Catch-22, but then this mm-hmm. one even mentioned like Campbell telling Desmond like, oh, you're one of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh, so true. Like falling on before, they keep kind of running through that. I love that. That is interesting. I'm just checking to see if I have any flashbacks for the love triangle storyline and I straight up don't. So is there anything for spoilers that you guys want to talk about there or can we move on to Desmond? Um, Nothing specific, just that like we talked about this at the very beginning, but I love the whole like love square, love triangle, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it going on. And I like, I love the way it ends up playing out in the end. I mean, if we wanted to pair Kate and Juliet together, that would have been cool too. <laughs> Not bitter over it. Just because like those four characters and their relationships to each other are so like fun and there's so much like importance and like energy behind like all of their relationships to each other and i just uh, i love them mm-hmm. i mean i watched this episode and i'm like oh my god sawyer kind of talked to juliet like yeah. that's kind of what <laughs> yeah. happened yeah there it was kind of there <laughs> like like oh my gosh they're talking about like who's your favorite other like that's where that's the delusion that happens at this point Mm -hmm. but you know i'm patient i think it's so funny (laughs) that like in the um in the commentary for episode 301 that liz is just like i don't know julia like sawyer isn't juliet's type they wouldn't be together it doesn't make it's so funny sense and it's like oh you don't know what damon's literally making notes right now (laughs) as you speak yeah I love how Liz and Josh are so against it, too. That's, like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things ever is they're like, this is bad. This shouldn't happen. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, Sawyer and Juliet. So Yeah, it worked out so well. It did. So in the Desmond storyline, I've just got a couple of spoilers here. I think that it, they are geniusly bringing up the wire in the sand again. Yeah. Before we really need to talk about it in, in the next few episodes. Because mm-hmm. it is so important. Yeah. And really, the wire in the sand, like, 
they could have entered the jungle anywhere. They were very smartly bringing up the wire again here with no consequences, like no stakes that it had to be there specifically. They were quite literally only bringing up the wire because they needed to remind us about it. Right. Amazing. They're so good. Oh, they're so good. Oh, okay. So my next thing is that we have this helicopter falling into the water. So this is also from the freighter, right? So, you know, we have Frank's helicopter. Were there originally two helicopters on the freighter? I there would have had to been, I guess. I never like thought about it. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a parachutist, but like never registered. Like, oh, there's, they they had to come from something. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, that's too bad. But like, obviously, yeah, no, it would have had to have been there. Yeah. And just like, no. Because now I'm thinking like, were there two helipads? But I'm like, I feel like there was only one. So it was like one of them always supposed to be in the sky or something. Just the whole time. Uh, Yeah. I just like. I'm not sure about the helicopter continuity now. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that might, that could have been a mistake. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll watch for it at the beginning of season four. I am so excited for Frank to come. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love Lapidus. You know what? The amount of time that I can talk about Daniel Faraday, I'm happy. (laughs) That's such a fun group. The season four group is so much fun. So fun. So fun. They continue to bring in more and more groups of people. You're like, this is a deserted island. How do they keep every season bringing in more people? And it just keeps getting better. Like, it doesn't not make sense. You know what I mean? It always makes sense. Always people I love, too. Always so good. Yeah. Like, I'm never not happy. I'm like, Desmond, thank you. Juliet, thank you. Like, they just- Ben, thank you. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, everyone's so great. And it's like, you're not even like, oh, another new person. It's like- no, these are my new favorite characters. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're so brilliant. And they're talking about how you can't eject from a helicopter. So maybe they jumped, which I believe is foreshadowing. Maybe if they didn't mean for it to be foreshadowing. Either way, it is foreshadowing to Sawyer jumping in the season four finale. <laughs> Break my heart. <laughs> but that's when Sawyer gets off of the helicopter and then immediately talks to Juliet and mm. um, hello. And then love for eternity. And nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> they fall in love in the end. Yeah. And that's it. Nothing bad happens. No, nothing bad happens. No. They're just happy. Um, on Lastpedia, it says, the Flash character not only has the ability to travel through time, but also to travel to alternate universes as well. It's true. <laughs> he do. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. I love all that Desmondy connection and the fact that he's the one who kind of brings everyone together in the end in the yeah. alternate universe. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The happily ever after of it all. Oh, my God. One of the best episodes of the series. Yeah. Which is like more Desmond and Charlie stuff. And once again, they are <laughs> saving each other. Because Charlie, like, we're talking mm-hmm. about how, like, oh, Desmond's the one who, like, wakes up and helps everybody. Who wakes up Desmond? Mm-hmm. Am I right? <laughs> oh, my God. You are so right. <laughs> So good. So lastly for the Desmond storyline that I had was that, you know, this is obviously Naomi and she is, I do believe, actively trying to fool everybody into thinking that it's Penny's boat, right? Yeah. Because uh, because how else would she have, she like, we're believing it because she has the Portuguese and the picture and she says Desmond, right? So I think that she's like actively trying to to trick them. Yeah. Did because these were Winmore's people. Did Winmore know how much Penny was looking for Desmond? Like, is that something he would have been like aware of in order to even have these people be like dead? Like, 
I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just like, did he just assume or did he know? You know? Like, how much of it is his fun? And even in, in finding Desmond there. Yeah. yeah. How much of how much of her riches are still his? Because mm. it feels like she's like, oh, I don't want to like hang out with my dad because I don't like him, right? But mm. I'm like, well, where are you getting all of the money that you right. make? Because we never really hear, maybe we do and I just am not remembering properly, but we never really hear about like what she does for work or anything. No, I can't mm. think of any like job or anything like we ever heard her have i'm trying to think if like in flashes before your eyes she said like oh this is my flat and like maybe at that point she had mentioned a job or something but it really seems like she kind of just grabs her money based on her dad yeah good for her yeah yeah exactly i know i wish (laughs) i'd do it dude penny's living the life she just gets money she gets desmond like Mm -hmm. good for her i mean until you know things get bad for a while but she ends up okay she has a beautiful christmas tree like she really does <laughs> and an adorable baby yes like everything's great named charlie which is like beautiful because you're like oh my gosh it's named after charlie who saved desmond's life and like helped bring them together but you're also just like that's your dad's name <laughs> sure is it sure is yeah don't you hate that guy <laughs> i remember people saying too they're like oh my gosh she named him after her dad i'm like why is that your no. first thought like it's yeah, obviously exactly. after charlie like or else they would have called him charles right but they don't <laughs> No, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, Chuck. <laughs> Good old Chuck. <laughs> like that, it weirds me out to think that Charlie's name is probably actually Charles. Yeah, but he never Pace. goes by it, so it's okay. They could have just named the baby Hieronymus and gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anything else for the uh, island storyline? Uh, I've got a couple of flashback things. I think that's it for island. I'm just, I'm so excited for the freighter crew. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I had, uh, so once again, Lostpedia pointed this out. In the lighthouse, uh, Campbell is listed as candidate 129. Mm. Whoa. However, Brother Campbell addresses Desmond as Brother Desmond, and we also hear about Brother Martin. So this suggests that Brother Campbell's first name and not last name is Campbell. So this is likely Uh, not the same Campbell. Bummer. Also, there is no indication he has ever been to the island, unlike all of the other known candidates. As such, it is likely that this candidate is not this Campbell. And it's just a random person whose last name is Campbell. But he does have that connection to Eloise. Uh-huh. I was that's just thinking true. That. That's true. So who's to say? Yeah. No, that's a good point. He's an other. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's like that's how he knows Charles Widmore to come and buy all of his wine. Maybe. Oh. You now, that's guys. Interesting because Wait a second here. Yeah. Could be onto something. Well, because I was thinking with the Eloise photo too, right? Like even to know her, yeah. like that's pretty because either there's some sort of history there, which being island related would make some sense or if it's yeah. just more of a Desmond thing and she was kind of like hey let's be besties so I can make sure that you kind of are guided in the right, right. direction to sort of lead Desmond in the right direction to make sure he does what he's supposed to do. <laughs> Eloise is like and then you do this and then I'll do this and then you do this and then he does that and then so you <laughs> I mean I don't know. Jacob or Eloise really? Honestly Eloise she did she put in the work. Yeah. Jacob just like went and touched someone like, all right. She's the one who knows what's going on in the flash sideways. Jacob isn't even there. No. Jacob Jacob didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about Jacob? He, bring, he brings all these people together only to just not be a part of the whole yeah. like end of it. Like any of it. Yeah. yeah. 
No. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, and that's, you know, I, I think that that's kind of, like, maybe a statement that they're making, too. That it's, like, you know, this man is supposed to be, like, our god, but, like, what did he really do in the end? Right. Well, because he was kind of, I don't know, he was quite the flawed type of deity, in a way. Definitely. Like, if they're going to really look at him, it's like, oh, this is this is the guy that we look to on the island. Like, he, mm-hmm. he kind of wasn't very helpful. <laughs> Which is why it's so cool with like MIB is supposed to be like dark. He's supposed to be the bad guy. And then in Across the Sea, they show us that like, who's really the bad guy here? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how they really, they really blur those lines. You know, having said, oh, it's black and it's white. It's dark and it's light constantly mm-hmm. all throughout the whole show. And then being like, but both black and white are also gray. Right. Because that was like the whole, like every character kind of has their own, you know, yeah. morality mm-hmm checks but those two especially like you're so trained to be like oh jacob's the good guy and it's like not really like you kind of brought a bunch of people to die here for hundreds of years but sure (laughs) thanks jacob like not the most helpful all right anything else you guys that's all i've got yeah i think that's it lost is um the best show ever made (laughs) in conclusion (laughs) lost rocks yeah Yeah. (laughs) and honestly if you're listening to this podcast i'm sure you freaking agree i would hope so if you've gotten this far in the podcast you're like uh, they're right <laughs> yeah and if you're just like hate listening then like get a life well, thanks for your listens and maybe watch it again yeah <laughs> watch it again watch it correctly <laughs> all right well uh casey with a k thank you once again for coming on casey with a c thank you you did a great job for your first episode as an official host thank you i was very nervous <laughs> <laughs> you did wonderful thank you it calmed my nerves having another casey in the uh in the listening <laughs> speaking sphere i understand thank you guys for having me yes thank you so much for coming so like we said earlier you can follow us on the various places at the aficionados is where you can follow the official aficionados our patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados um and that's about it we will see you guys next time so excited okay love you bye okay love you bye bye (laughs) you two arguing over who's your favorite other